Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, it's Sunday. It's a Sunday we're recording on. I know. Weird. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> See Mo and Doug, the Bohemoth. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's we're we're recording at a different day and a different time than we normally would, and so if Mo sounds more awake or more sleepy than usual, yeah, it could really go either way today. <laughs> Mo you has know. technically just woken up, but he is filling himself with stimulants. I as, really am. Yeah, so <laughs> he'll probably be okay. And, Twelve ounces of fucking Red Bull and all sorts of nicotine. And I have none of that, but I'm going to be my normal puppy dog self uh, because hey, it's, the, it's midday on Sunday. The ever effervescent. That's right. I'm Mr. Effervescent. That's what everybody calls me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo, today on the show, we have uh, something a little special planned, just like every well, yeah, episode. Yeah, we do. <laughs> oh, but this one's extra special. This one this, is extra special. This one's like an episode of an 80s uh, family sitcom, you know, where, like... Uh, the the youngest child is molested or something, or they or somebody finds cigarettes, and you know it's like it's like that extra special episode. I'll say that the the gap between someone being molested and cigarettes is a pretty wide gap. Look, both of those were uh, were on different strokes. No, oh, I was gonna say both of those were extra special episodes on Mr. Belvedere. So okay. I mean. Yeah. Well, then I retract my entire argument. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. This is a very special episode. In fact, there is a first happening here, which is this is the first time we're covering a movie, I believe, that has not yet been released on a home format. I believe so. Uh, and in fact, this is was given to us, uh, making it extra special, by the director himself has, has provided a copy of this movie for us to watch and discuss. Yep, the Lord our God, Todd Sheets, has, yes. cr- has given us his new movie. Yes, he has given us uh, his blessing <laughs> to cover his movie. But now we I'm have... really glad he likes us. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I was just thinking. I was uh, talking to someone just recently who has uh, who's who's a big fan of the show, the idiot, uh-huh. uh, and a moron, and has started from the very beginning and is working him his way up through the episodes. He's on like episode oh. fifty right now. Yeah, I couldn't even. Oh, good. So he's up to the good ones now. <laughs> well, he's getting I'm closer so anyway. sorry for those first like fourteen. So he's watching, listening, sorry, to all the episodes, and I think back to those early, like the first couple of Tachi's movies we covered, which where maybe I wasn't yeah. as nice as I could have been, considering how great of a guy he is and how kind he's been to us. Uh, Look, but I was just yeah. being honest. Hey, those are yeah, still no, my legit feelings. Look, 
Nightmare that's Asylum. The, that's I think the problem. that is the problem. Is is that even if we even if we you know absolutely love the person, we still have to be honest about right. the movie. And, and we're not just going to skip over something that sucks just because the person is is nice and was trying really hard. Right. Because right. trying really hard is the name of the game in this entire like that is everything we encounter. People trying really hard and sometimes succeeding and sometimes failing. More and, often than not, failing. And, and, every, yeah. and every once in a while, not even trying hard. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no big big uh, props to Todd for sharing this with us. But we do want, want to make it really clear. We're going to be really completely totally honest about our feelings of the movie. Uh, and and it, it means this one's pretty easy. This one's going to be pretty easy. <laughs> and it, it just like how High Eight was made as sort of a love letter to shot on video cinema and shot on video uh, filmmakers. This movie is a love letter both to Lucio Fulci and specifically the Beyond, but also to Todd Sheets and his career. I mean, it really Absolutely. is, and and that is what's going to make it fun for people who are fans of his and people who listen to this show because we, Jesus, we never shut up about him. No, we really don't. We don't. We really got to got to take care of that. You know, and it's funny though, because because uh, I actually, uh, you know, when, when I talk, I don't talk about directors very often, like outside of the show. <laughs> But like when I do, it almost always ends up going back to Todd Sheets, which is then I have to like. And but that's like my favorite part about it too, because then I get to explain who he is to somebody who doesn't know, and then it makes me really happy. Yeah, well, the kind of people I talk to when I explain <laughs> to them, I'm like, <laughs> they yeah. just blank stares. So <laughs> wait, he shot these on video? Well, yeah, sort of like yeah, but not consumer grade, but like yeah, yeah you know, video. And, he's, yeah, like, and they're okay, like, uh, okay. well, why would you watch that? I'm like, why don't you shut up? <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go to hell? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that some of them aren't very good? Well, yeah, maybe not, not like, good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of your favorite directors. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm jumping way ahead here, but I will say that one of my biggest pleasures of House of Forbidden Secrets is the uh, reveal in the closing credits that it, most of it was shot at a, uh, like, a Halloween... <laughs> Haunted house, <laughs> a la Nightmare Asylum, a la a few of the movies, in fact. And I'm like, that is perfect. Yep. <laughs> because it that those have evolved along with the work of Todd Sheets. Right. Uh, before we jump into the movie itself, some brief housekeeping. Uh, those who have been listening in recent episodes or have been uh, keeping up on our Facebook group will remember that we currently have a Patreon campaign uh, going. And what that means is that you listeners can support the show by having a uh, kind of a revolving donation, meaning that every time we release an episode, you can donate a certain amount per episode. So say, uh, you know, you could start at $1. That means that every time that we release an episode, you give us a dollar and that goes towards making the show better, helping us purchase better equipment, doing our hosting and stuff like that. And it's been really successful so far. There's a few levels which all come with different perks. Those perks include uh, the ability to choose a movie for this show. I didn't think a lot of people were going to go for those perks. They did. <laughs> so as long as they yeah. as long as they stick with the uh, with the Patreon campaign for say 4 weeks, Sorry, sorry, not four weeks, four episodes. Then, four months. Uh, well, it'll actually be just two months. Then yeah. they will get to choose. Uh, we'll talk about who those people are uh, at some point in the future once we reach that point. But there are some other perks. Go check out our Patreon campaign. Uh, look up No Budget Nightmares on Patreon or uh, go to nobudgetpodcast.com to get to that link. But we're also going to give some shout-outs to people who have donated. Uh, that includes some people that we recognize. And, in fact, we recognize all of them to one extent or another. But I just want to run through them. The first, of course, is good friend of the show, our only 
uh, vocal guest host of the show, Mr. John Cross from the After yeah. Movie Diner podcast, has uh, has contributed uh, very kindly to us. Also, Paul Busetti, very good friend of the show. I shouldn't just say I shouldn't I shouldn't point out that some people are very good friends. I was gonna say I think John is just as good of a friend of the show as Paul. John is I mean, more. Yeah. John is more than a friend. John John is like you know the the. He's our the, little British buddy. Yeah, he's like you know the he's like the cat who's waiting for us to snuggle when we I sit. I mean, out, he, his opinions know. on everything are terrible. <laughs> 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 for those who want to listen to me and John get into a big old fight, yeah, look Huge for fight. his episode on uh, Django Unchained uh, of the After Movie Diner podcast. It, uh, it's, you guys it's have been in the same room when it come to blows. <laughs> anyway, John Cross, of course, Paul Busetti, good friend of the show, Jessica Garcia from España. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll be uh, – do, do you know any Spanish, Mo? Gracias. Gracias. Uh, uno cerveza, Jessica. Um, uh, Donde esta el baño? Donde esta la biblioteca? No me gusta son los payes. Very good. Uh, following up, James <laughs> Owens, thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, Chuck Williamson, good friend of the show, apparently trying to start up some sort of competition podcast to us. You will fail, Chuck. We will you stop suck. helping you if we feel like you're a threat in any way. <laughs> <laughs> we don't take well to, to your type. Mo breaks kneecaps. I've seen him do it. It's true. They're usually my own, but... Yes, he falls down a lot. <laughs> I, got a real, I got a real weight problem. <laughs> and finally, Trey Stoke, which is a great name, great contributor. That is a great name. Thank you all so much. Really, uh, it's you... It's you, the people, who uh, help us uh, make this show come to life. And, uh, and it's just going to get bigger and better throughout 2015 because of your contribution. Thank you very much. And speaking Thanks. of contribution, we're going to cover The House of Forbidden Secrets because that was contributed to us by Mr. Todd Sheets. Yeah. Todd Sheets, Mo. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's a great way to get my attention. <laughs> your favorite director? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my my favorite like micro budget director. Yeah, absolutely. Good. It, it's it, it. We talked already about the idea that in the early episodes of the episodes of the show, we maybe weren't as kind to his films. Uh, but like I said before, our opinions are always very honest. I, I actually don't have as much enthusiasm for some of his earlier films as a lot of the people on our facebook group certainly right. do. <laughs> well but... look 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 let just let's just think back to uh to the goblin episode <laughs> where where we had mr sheets on the film uh, on the sh- on the film listen to me on the show and he was way yes that's exactly worse right about goblin than we were so <laughs> Now, uh, listeners on the show or fans of Todd Sheets probably already know that a couple of years ago we had some pretty serious health problems. And in fact, uh, I think of uh, House of Forbidden Secrets as being his major comeback project. I mean, absolutely, I he's working with what I believe is probably his biggest budget up to this point, uh, using a real crew, uh, very recognizable cast. In fact, we'll we'll talk about some of those small appearances. We'll talk about some of those. I mean, it's 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 basically a horror convention come to life right. uh, when watching House of Forbidden Secrets. So uh, you know, this this was a big deal. It's, this was, I'm sure, a very important moment for him getting this movie out there and it must be very rewarding to get it in front of crowds so again we're not going to tear into it we're also going to stop 
before we get to the ending of this yeah, movie. Yeah, we don't want to give... We don't want to give I, the ending yeah, away. Because it hasn't come out yet. I mean, we, we, we're going to give you more details than you probably should get. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be talking but... about it in more detail than you really should. In fact, if you are going to watch this movie, I apologize for the amount that we're going to be spoiling certain aspects of it. Right, but, right. I mean, this is no budget nightmares. You know what you're in for. And if this is right. your first episode, well, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. You know? I did, I, I I did would, my American I, I sorry, say... so you know I mean it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. He put on the American accent. Uh, so I'll say sorry. Sorry. Uh, but I mean, like, I would say I would say to anybody who's listening right now that doesn't want this this movie spoiled for them, like completely wait until it comes out and then and then come back to this episode. No, no. Listen to the episode. All right. You're right. You know what? You know what? Fuck that. Listen to the episode uh, and then, you know, and, and sit on it. Yeah. Forget you know? what we said, but listen to it. Well, it's pretty easy to forget what we say. Yeah. What? Yes. What? Yeah. Um, also, of course, this episode will end with a new song, which I've already heard by Rue, uh, th- based on, of course, House of Forbidden Secrets. It's amazing. I, I get probably, I'm like a broken record talking about how great his songs are, but well, they're always it, it's, really great. It's it's hard when every time he does a new song for us, it's better than the last one. His fungicide song, <laughs> I call it fungicide, fungicide. Uh, <laughs> was, was so good that it uh, almost made the fact that the movie existed worthwhile. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> well, go back and listen to it, those who haven't uh, yet heard it. It's also available uh, separately from the episode if you don't want to listen to us first over that's on the true. Facebook yeah, just, group. Or, yeah, you just pop onto Rue's uh, SoundCloud page where he keeps yeah. all of those. We link that shit. We do. House of Forbidden Secrets from 2013. Yes, 2013, because it is currently still touring around, getting shown, and uh, and as rightfully so, it should be a more than a victory lap here because uh, it's worthy of it. By Todd Sheets from Extreme Entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's really when the movie starts. It starts, of course, with the intro with the with the credits, and it's just kind of exciting to see sort of like a modern credits with Extreme right. Entertainment and Todd yeah, Sheets. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it. awesome. And what do we hop into first, Mo? What was the, what's the first thing we see after these credits? Well, we see a um, like the camera sort of follows uh, some entrails up to a woman who is laying on the ground dead. We're really painting a picture. This is the kind of detail we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a woman with her guts hanging out on the ground. Guts. But I like I, I like that. Sheets. There's yeah, guts well, hanging it's out. It's got to be guts cuz it's yeah, cuz it's Todd sheets. But I lo- I love that shot, that very first shot where like the camera's following the guts up like it's like it's a trail, you know. <laughs> and uh and this this woman is apparently a corpse. I say apparently as you'll see why in a minute. Uh there's yeah. a very terrified young woman in this room next to the corpse. She has a flashlight. Uh, and she's looking around the room. She's kind of moving her flash, uh, flashlight back and forth. She moves it to a corner, and she sees a figure, moves it away and back, and then the figure disappears. It's all rather creepy. Mm. And this isn't your mama's Todd Sheets movie. This is like this looks like a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> the production value um, is definitely uh, head and shoulders above a lot of the other stuff we've watched. And it's interesting that, I mean... Th- Todd Sheets, I believe, did his own lighting in this movie. The lighting is really, really good. Uh, when you think back to something like Nightmare Asylum, which this movie does kind of resemble in some ways, and the attempts that were made in that to, you know, kind of imitate the look and feel of like a Lucio Fulci movie, that's so hard to do anyway. But yeah. to do it on such a low budget with, with uh, that sort of equipment was particularly difficult. But mm. here, not only do you have the lighting that really does kind of bring that feeling forward... 
but it's helped by the music. Oh, the music, the music. mo. The music. No, you might say, "What is Enochian Key back doing music?" <laughs> no, that that's like my dream. Scenario. That would be terrific. And, yeah. But no, in this particular scenario, Todd Sheets managed to get Fabio Frizzi, the the musician who scored the Beyond for Lucio Fulci and, and any number of other Italian exploitation and horror movies. He mm-hmm. did he did music for this movie. I know. How amazing is that? I mean, that's incredible. And it's funny because one of the things that we're going to be talking about here is how sometimes stunt casting can be a distraction rather than a help for a low-budget or independent movie, even though it does get eyes on it. I mean, we'll talk about it in some detail. But this, at first, when I remember when he first announced that he had Fabio doing this uh, music, I was like, well, what's that going to be like? Is he just going to like toss it off? Is it going to be sort of just like a, a, a pale imitation? It's not. It's really it's, good. It's amazing. I mean, uh, it sounds music... like something from the Beyond soundtrack. It really does. Yeah, I, I seriously, I'm sitting uh, as I was sitting here watching this movie. Like, actually, in my notes, several times it says the the music here is just so amazing. Like, it's so we have it playing it, in the it background. Add, it adds so much. Yeah, to the, there's to atmosphere the film. galore. Yeah. Or gore yeah. lore. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, very good. <laughs> so this woman is very oh. terrified. Music playing in the background. And uh, then some zombies start appearing uh, from behind and around her. And also the woman with the guts hanging out. She gets up. She's a zombie too. There's zombies, folks. You might not have expected zombies, but there are zombies. See, I, see I, that was the thing, though. It's like, I mean, I, I guess they're zombies, but some of them aren't really zombies. That's true. They're more like So ghouls. it's like, they're like ghouls. You know, Ooh, it's like. Uh, little green like, ghouls. Like it's like at like as I'm doing my notes, I'm like, oh, should I call this a zombie? Because they're not really zombies. We didn't watch them die. They're just well, that woman with the guts hanging out. Ghosts. She's a zombie. Yeah. No, no, she's definitely a zombie. It's just weird. Yeah. Let's argue about this for twenty minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> From there, this is the important <laughs> stuff. But this is just a teaser. In fact, this is a, a flashback, a flash forward, actually, that we will get right. to in just a little bit. We hit right into the opening credits. Todd sheets. Uh, the star of this movie is uh, Atachi's regular, Mr. Antoine Steele, uh, and we'll talk about him in some detail. But one of the other oh, notable things about the casting in this movie is that there are a lot of recognizable faces if you're a fan of horror or exploitation movies. I guess I'm not a big <sighs> enough fan because I didn't rec- – I mean, I recognized some of them. <laughs> But there were other ones, as we were talking about before we started recording, that I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. <laughs> we'll talk about them as we get to them, and I, yeah, yeah, if yeah, I yeah. miss one, because I mean, I'm like you, Mo, I, I'm, I pay attention to these things, but I, I don't consider myself a expert, but some of them will be impossible to miss, even if you... Uh, oh, no, 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 yeah, some are obvious. Uh, so yes, as we mentioned before, screenplay by Todd Sheets, music by Fabio Frizzi, um, and uh, the credits have like old looking photos in the background uh, oldie time photos uh, well it looked yeah it looks like a uh, like a fun look combination of like actual like prohibition era exactly uh, photos and photo modern photos that are shopped to look like prohibition era and i got to tell you you know they do a really good job i mean obviously the the equipment um from then to now is totally different so you uh, it, so, like the modern ones are a little more obvious right but but the uh, the filters but, and and the and the work that are done on the pictures are good enough so that it's not like jarring. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was also give a quick shout out to Amanda Payton, who is the producer 
uh, one of the producers on this film and is a good friend of the show as well. Uh, we then get into the movie proper, and it starts with something that I find generally very irritating, Mo, which is fake film damage on uh, on uh, what is obviously shot on digital that mm. is meant to make it look kind of like a, like a roughed-up exploitation movie. Thankfully, that is not going to be a distraction going forward. I thought at first, I'm like, oh, no, don't do that, but it, <laughs> it ends up being okay in the long run. But even aside from that, it starts with something that is way more of a mind-blower. It starts with what appears to be a crane shot. Mm. A crane shot, Mo, in a Todd I... Sheets movie? <laughs> a pledge pin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, and that uh, introduces us to the House of Forbidden Secrets itself. I guess it's called Shadow View Manor. Right. And uh, we see someone enter the building, and that someone is Antoine Steele. In this case, he's playing a Mr. Jacob Hunt. What's Jacob Hunt? Who is Jacob Hunt? What do you mean? Like, what does he do? Why is he there? Oh, well, he's the new security guard. He's the new uh, nighttime security guard. Um, yeah. All right, so let's talk about Antoine. Not a lot of backstory at the beginning. <laughs> no, no, well, we jump right into things, which is fine by me. Yeah, that's fine. So Antoine, as an actor, is... Um, <laughs> he... I was worried at first. I was too. I was yeah, because his performance towards the beginning of the film not that great. And I started to wonder. I'm like, did, is Todd? Does Todd just have him in here because they're close friends? And it's like, well, what? Like, what's he going to bring to the table when he when he's like put up against people with a lot of experience? And there are right. some in here. Is he going to have some trouble? And I'm like, I'm a little worried. And then we realize a little bit later that oh no, wait, he's going to be the amusing line delivery. <laughs> right. <laughs> And he's like, you... yeah, he's the automatic hilarious line delivery system for the film, and it's but it's it works. Uh, you know, as the film goes on, you just love him more and more. So it's it's great. Don't get us wrong; we're not smoothing it over. Antoine no, 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 is not a very not. good actor. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> when, but when when uh, called upon to emote more than just uh, being freaked out, that he has trouble with that. But yeah. since he's the audience surrogate, because he. He's discovering these things as we are. Uh, he's good at that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he gets our sympathy because he reacts like a person would react in these situations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first person he runs into is actually a fairly recognizable person if you're not Mo Porn. <laughs> yeah, cause I'm like, I don't know who the hell this is. Uh, he's actually introduced and brought in by uh, Ari Lehman. I, I think I'm pronouncing that right, the original... Jason from Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, and when I say original, I mean the young child Jason that drowns. Mm. That actor. I mean, he's made sort of a career of going to conventions, and he has like a rock band, and he has a lot of hair. <laughs> it's fu it's funny. It's like when he came onto the screen, I said to myself, "This guy's probably something," but I don't, <laughs> but I don't know who it who he is because he has that look to him, like where like uh, he's got to be somebody. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, not necessarily that, but I mean, like, you you know how they're, like, like Tom Savini, who has that sort of, like, signature sort of look? Right. That, like, you know, that, that you look at him and you go, all right, well, he's something. I just, maybe I'm not entirely <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, even if you saw him walking down the street, it's like, I that person must do something yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's something that I'm not, that I don't know about that's going on there. And that's exactly what it was for me with this guy. I'm like, he's got too many, like things going on that <laughs> he also has a kind of a wink wink line where he says he goes mom is waiting and he's got to go which is obviously a reference to the mother from uh... and that joke would have been way better if i knew who the <laughs> hell he was and we go from one cameo 
Uh, we'll call it a cameo, even though they're obviously credited in this case. Uh, small appearance by a recognizable face. We'll head into a second one, and that is who, Mo? George Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, everything okay? Is this a Strange yeah. Vapes episode we've walked into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm over here uh, vaping some uh, prosciutto and melon. And... Uh, yes, we are introduced to Mr. George Hardy. Uh, for those who don't know, George Hardy... The actor in quotation marks from Trolls Two. <laughs> hey, I don't think I don't think that's a that's a knock. I'm just saying, the, the not a trained dent- actor. Yeah, the dentist from Troll Two, uh, and uh, he has some of the most famous lines from that. And of course, uh, he has a big part in the documentary Best Worst Movie about the movie Troll Two. George Hardy plays Bruce Kane, who is like the I guess the uh, superintendent or. Uh, he's, he's the guy the, who runs the house. He's the building manager. I didn't really understand. I mean, I understand his position. I didn't really understand like how the building worked. It's, it gets a little bit confusing coming up. Like, right. what kind of building is it? It does it has like stores in it? See, I, yeah, I don't know. I just assumed it was a hotel. Like at first, that's what I would have thought as well. Yeah. But it seemed like that there were businesses. I mean, it's a big place. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, anyway, George Hardy plays Bruce Kane. Who, yeah, he's like the building manager, uh, and. Um, we we see him interact with Antoine's character about you know giving him instructions about working on the job. He doesn't want him to fall asleep. Uh, he mentions that the isolation of the place sometimes drives people a little wacky. You know, like yeah, nice little shining <laughs> reference there. Yeah. Uh, now George Hardy has this Utah accent, <laughs> which you know, I you know, you know, bless them. Those. I mean, those I'm not. I, as we've said before, I can't mock people for their. Accent. No, no, no. Canadians cannot it's mock people unfair. for their accent. But... but I will say, George Hardy's accent sounds ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's, the Utah accent is so bad. <laughs> uh, we're also introduced to a couple of other characters here, including uh, one of my favorite characters in the whole movie, Jackson. Yeah. Do you like Jackson? I do. Uh, Jackson, in this case, is played by Brian David, who has uh, done a couple of, of small independent parts. He's actually one of the best actors in this movie. He's Absolutely. really good. Yeah, he's uh, good. And he gets a lot of fun stuff to do. Um, and then suddenly it's sort of we, – we get introduced to Jackson as he's reading a magazine called Donkey Times. Donkey Times. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I believe he's even talking to a stuffed donkey at the time. Oh, you know, there was one thing I wanted to mention about the, the George Hardy scene when uh-huh. we, we – um, I love how as the film progresses, like it took me maybe five mentions of his name to figure out what his actual name was because like people, like the way they were pronouncing his name, I had no idea like what it was. I'm like, is he Mr. K? Is he Mr. Kane? Yes. You know, I had to look is, it up on IMDb to know that. It yeah. Was so what, so what is it actually? Mr. Kane? Yeah. Like his name is Bruce Kane. Yeah. Like, like uh, sugar cane. Yeah, so like uh, as my notes progress, like it, it, my note, my my the name for him just keeps changing. <laughs> Mr. K. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Mr. K right now, and then it's like, oh, is it Mr. Kane? So is it Mr. King. So Jackson is the maintenance man. So he's going to show Antoine around. I'm going to call him Antoine. I apologize. His name is Jacob. I'll go back and forth on that. So yeah, that I got to tell you one thing about this. Probably not the best idea to have two characters in the film who both get called Jake. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Jackson is uh, the maintenance guy. He's showing Jacob kind of the ropes about how the whole place works. At 10 o'clock, the lights are on a timer. They all go out automatically. Right. Right? Like Foreshadowing. I said, like I said, I didn't really understand. It's a manor, right? So you think – I don't understand really – like, yeah, it's a hotel, I guess, but it, I don't know. <laughs> 
So uh, remember that young woman that we saw at the beginning? She was all scared. We're uh, reintroduced to her again and a number of other characters. Uh, she's actually reading Salman Rushdie's The Satanic Verses and talking to another girl about a demonic possession. And, and this is how unobservant I am as a human being, is that I didn't realize until later in the film when we get back to it that that was the same, <laughs> same person as before. I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's, oh. I mean, that's fair enough. We no, don't that's have... me. That's me. I, I think anybody else watching this would have put those two together. I'm just a moron and like didn't even think about it. We, there's, there's a lot of characters that we kind of get introduced to at the beginning, but as they become important, we'll, we'll start assigning names to them because they weren't, they're not named right away. But just to give you an idea, these two young women, they sort of and, – and you can elaborate a little bit on this, Mo – one of them is like yeah. a psychic. One uh, of them's a medium. A medium that's yeah. Um, yeah, or, maybe, or maybe a, a sensitive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is her friend, who is like a helper. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, she's also a little more skeptical. Yes, she's a little bit more yeah. skeptical. That's absolutely right. Uh, and uh, and in fact, even the medium, the sensitive one, she's not totally into the like. She she's not overtly big into the supernatural she just has these abilities that we get to see in a little bit yeah she's not like zelda rubenstein from the like uh the what's that poltergeist poltergeist yeah you know it's it, she's she's not like over the top about it she's actually she's actually pretty cool i, I think she's actually one of my favorite actors in the film yeah, she the, and now we're one talking of my favorite performances we're talking about yep. the medium in this case she is so good that I was shocked that I haven't like seen her another thing. She's really right, great. exactly. She's she's phenomenal. I th- I think I think she gives one of the best performances in the film. Now I'm her, gonna give her, some... her character's name is Cassie. I'm gonna give something away here, Mo, and we're gonna talk about Uh-oh. it. I just can't. I gotta say it right now because I'm afraid I'm not gonna hit it hard enough a little bit later. <laughs> There's a really recognizable actor, uh, like a modern actor in this movie. Uh, he might not be so recognizable to you, Mo, but I think a lot of the people who li- listen to this show and and watch a lot of horror properties would recognize him. He's a he's like a modern working actor, and he gets a big part in this movie. And I think he might be one of the worst actors in this movie, even though I've seen him good, like be good in lots of other stuff. Uh, who are we talking about? I'll, we'll talk about it when we get to him. But okay. the reason I'm bringing him up is because we have an actress here who hasn't isn't as recognizable to me, but right. she does this amazing job, right? Oh, you know what? I think I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to – well, when we get there, we'll talk about it. But Speaking I think of I... amazing, Bruce yeah. Kane, the, uh, the building manager, uh, he gets some bad news on the uh, telephone. <laughs> yeah. He finds out that there's a crack in the basement, uh, that there's a, a sign that is supposed to keep people out, but people, I guess, are crawling through it. Uh, there's, there's some sort of crack in a wall, a la the beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. And he calls in one of his, I guess, maintenance people or one of his uh, security people, maybe. Uh, Brad. Brad. Now, Brad, do you recognize Brad, Mo? No. Brad is played by Alan Kazar from uh, Night of the Creeps, and he also was on. Oh, right, Mom's, right. Okay. He, he was also on Mama's Family back in the. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, and as, soon, as soon as you said Night of the Creeps, I'm like, oh, right. And then I put it all together, but I, uh, yeah. I did not pay nearly enough attention to, <laughs> to the uh, actors to the <laughs> actors in this movie. Well, why would you? No, you know why it is. It's because like some like when I when I'm watching a movie, I want to get engrossed in the film sure, itself. Absolutely. You know, and then afterwards, as I'm as I'm going, you know, which I didn't have a chance to do with this one because I watched it at work and my internet connection there is very fucking sketchy. Um, 
But uh, but but generally, what I'll do is after I'm done watching it, I'll go on to the IMDb and look at who was in it and mm-hmm. and put all those two and twos together, you know. And I just didn't have a chance to do that with this one. But yeah, you no. Mean, assume- you mean doing the work that you're supposed to do for a podcast. no, no, doing doing the work that you do for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my, well, my job is to yawn and say yup. So yep, I'm right. getting ready. So I got like three hours of sleep, and I'm good to go for that one. <laughs> So Brad, this character, uh, don't get too attached to him. No. <laughs> he's a, he's kind of a, a goofy, fun-loving joker of a guy, and him and uh, Bruce have a bit of a conversation. Brad and Bruce, yeah, there's too many <laughs> characters <laughs> like that. Brad, Brad, Bruce, Jake, and Jake. Yeah. So uh, uh, Bruce mentions uh, George Hardy's character mentions that he's got to leave very soon because he's going to uh, the ballet with his wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was. Does he actually say he's going to the ballet? Or, no, yeah, in said... fact, I think it's just that uh, Brad says, "Don't get dragged to the ballet," and then he right. goes off on what the ballet is like with this very non-PC bit of business. Let's listen. Yeah. <laughs> and and what's with the chicks that do the ballet? Not one of them's got a rack worth looking at, right? Not not a one of them, and they all got that spitty-looking pulled-back haircut, like hairdo, like this. And it looks like a squid is trying to make it with their skull. Classic uh, nope. Alan Kazar. Kazar? Maybe. <laughs> Bruce mentions that the closest thing he's ever gone to see in, in terms of ballet is Muppets on Ice. Yeah, that uh, that <laughs> conversation in and of itself is is probably one of the more ridiculous. Like, Because even right before that, uh, you know, uh Bruce Kane is like, do I look like the kind of guy who goes to a ballet? I mean, like, like, what's he trying to imply? I like, like how you're giving him this rough, gruff voice instead you know? of this Utah yeah, yeah, yeah. lilt. <laughs> yeah, right. Do I, do I look like the kind of guy who goes to That's the ballet? much better, actually. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, by the way, the point of this conversation is that uh, Brad's going to put a camera down to make sure that people right. aren't going through this hole in the wall. Yeah, and so we we played you the clip of what he talks about the women. You know, we didn't play you the clip for what he talks about the men, so... Just be thankful for that one. <laughs> uh, so that's what's happening there. Back to the girls. Uh, they're actually setting up some sort of seance uh, with the help. There's an older woman who I guess uh, her, her husband has recently died. She has uh, objects from his life, and they're going to do a seance to try to communicate with him. This is Fremont. And in fact, there's also, uh, I believe it's two students who are filming this seance. I don't think they're students. Not I students, think they're just people. I think they're like in the, with the media. Okay, so so two media people, uh, yeah. and in fact, one of those media people uh, should be recognizable to uh, you, Mo. <laughs> you're gonna uh, that that comment is because he was they they weren't. I don't know which one you're talking about. So there's a there's a uh, young woman and a gentleman, and the gentleman in this case is played by Brad Westmar, a radio personality who was also the star of Todd Sheets' High Eight segment. Oh, right. There you go. I think he plays yeah, a character named Wayne in this movie, though I'm not probably. sure he's ever actually called that. <laughs> I don't think he's – is he ever actually named? Uh, probably not. Because in my notes, he's just the cameraman for the <laughs> entire uh, – Jackson and Jacob are wandering through the building, and they show up. They introduce can, themselves. Can I, can I just state for the record that it's real nice to see that some things in micro-budget film never die, like not introducing characters. <laughs> There's a lot of characters to introduce. Some of them yeah. get introduced a little bit later or, or just kind of offhand. But, uh, you know, like you said, the, uh, it, describing him as the cameraman would be fine if you didn't have to do a podcast about it. <laughs> right, ex- exactly. We're, we're f- 
like almost maybe 10, like 12, 13 minutes into the movie at this point. Right. And we're just learning the main character's name. <laughs> well, Jacob and Jackson, they're, uh, they're asked to be part of the seance, and Jacob's really eh, he's skeptical about it. Not skeptical about the seance itself. In fact, he, had, he, he grew up very religious, and he saw an exorcism when he was a kid, and <laughs> it really freaked him out, and he never went back to church. But Jackson, he's super into it because he wants to make it with one of these gals. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah's the younger uh, gal, not the... Um, not, not Cassie. Not Cassie. You're very good. <laughs> you you figured it out. Um, and this... <laughs> so they're, they get around the table. They're going to start doing the seance. And then Cassie gets a phone call. Ugh. Why? What's so funny? Wait, hold on, hold on. We totally... Did, you didn't... No, no, no. I understand. Too. No, I, I'm, I'm not skipping it. The phone actually rings. Oh, and then they oh right, 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 right. Right. So the phone rings... Uh, and we find out it's her daughter. We'll go back to that in just a second because first we go back to Bruce Kane, the uh, the building manager, and some, he thinks someone's playing a joke on him because he hears some strange noises and some papers fall off his desk. Yeah, I love that he's uh, he's getting all pissed off and uh, <laughs> pissed you know. off. You say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my notes in, in in this part right here say his acting is just dot 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 dot. Amazing. <laughs> he is here, dot, 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 now. I had to make the, uh, <laughs> the, the I am here now reference there. Look, George Hardy is known for two things. One, being in Troll 2, and two, the line being he's about to doc- say. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, well, then three things. And being being in Troll 2, being in the documentary about Troll 2, <laughs> and this line. Mo and I, before we started recording, I was reminiscing about that part in Best Worst Movie where George Hardy is at the horror convention, and he's looking at all these filthy horror fans like we all are, uh, yeah. and <laughs> just talking about how none of them floss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that bit But anyway the, co- the consummate dentist Anyway he gets a little freaked out And this is what happens It's not appreciated You can't piss on hospitality I won't allow it I've had enough I, I left in that part where he says I had enough I had enough <laughs> The best part about that is that the music is trying so hard to make the scene better, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's almost working. It's yeah. just George George Hardy's line delivery is you'll notice is so rough. You'll notice there as well that the music is intermingled with a lot of kind of spooky sounds going on in the background, like voices. Yeah, right. Because because yeah. because right as he says that, you get that nice little kind of boom, you know, and it was and it's a good effect. It's just a good effect at the end of a terribly delivered line it also should be mentioned that there's something spooky already happening here and the seance actually hasn't occurred yet so right right uh, it is suggested a little bit later that the seance kind of pushed open a door a little bit but it, really it's a uh, a combination of a lot of different factors that are going to make things spooky right so and uh, and it's and, and i should say it's, it's already been established by this point that spooky stuff happens at this place yes spooky you stuff know, happens spooky stuff happens yeah, but it's. I guess it's never really progressed to the point where <laughs> where it will be going in the film. Yeah, in just a minute, in fact. Um, in just a, literally, Bruce gets uh, grabbed suddenly from behind by uh, some arms, and uh, that's that's the end of that scene and the end of Bruce. Yeah, because we uh, a camera cuts to the outside of the building, and we get some like biting and crunching noises. And... So Cassie back at the psychic station, <laughs> she has gotten a call from her daughter. 
and uh, her daughter is at home, currently being taken care of by uh, her, her grandfather. grandfather. And her grandfather is played by who? Uh, the ever distracting Lloyd Kaufman. Now we've been we've talked about this a little bit on the Facebook group, and also uh, just Mo and I have talked a little bit about it. Lloyd Kaufman has done some amazing things for low budget films and filmmakers. He Absolutely. obviously is almost like a mascot for low budget filmmaking to some extent because he will appear right. in any low budget movie that's being made. But he can be really distracting. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a very specific sort of style when he quote unquote acts. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy when he shows up for like 2 seconds as just a prisoner and while the camera's going by, that's perfect because then yeah. it's like, "Hey, that's Lloyd Kaufman." But then you don't have to think about it and it's not going to take you out of it. The exactly, cuz that that's like uh that's like Lloyd Kaufman doing the standard Stan Lee exactly. cameo where where it just the sort of the camera passes by or maybe he says like a quick line and it's just over and done with. Perfect. But sometimes he's asked to act. And <sighs> he only has one mode. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. So the kid is talking to her mother. She seems happy enough, but Grandpa is drunk. And Grandpa uh, gets on the phone, and this is what he sounds like. Ma. Ah, shit. What do you want? I'm tired of babysitting. I told you. I don't like it. You said you'd give me some Maker's Mark. I, I got cheap wine here. What, what do you do? Damn it. That, that I love how Yeah, I, I love how every time he gets on the phone, it's not like he's having a conversation with any, with anybody. He's just <laughs> spouting off, like, gibberish, you know, or, like, just annoyed sentences. Now, it is amusing that he's swearing in front of a child because I always That's the best that part. Amusing. That's my favorite part is the fact that he's swearing up a storm in front of this little that, kid. That never gets old to me. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. But, I, love, I love when people swear in front of little children. But tonally, his performance is very different from the rest of the movie. Very off. Uh, he's also at the at that time with that child watching, even though we can't see it, uh, The Toxic Avenger. And in fact, right. uh, that little segment ends with... Um, him saying, "Hey, look! It's the full head crushing scene." <laughs> and anybody who's on the uh, on our Facebook group uh, would see the the picture that I posted. What I'm saying is, I don't dislike Lloyd Kaufman, and even though no, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of trauma films, I I certainly have a lot of respect for what he's done. But you don't have to put him in your movie, and and I understand that it's like Ron Jeremy when he shows up in an independent low budget right. horror movie. It's like he's not doing. I mean, it it. I understand it's an attention getter, but it's not doing your movie any favors. No, especially when he's like chewing the scenery, you know. <laughs> so, Mo, when I say something and leave a space for you to respond, and it takes a second, we all just picture you with like this <laughs> mouthful of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm like, wh whenever you do that, I always think I have enough time, <laughs> and then I'm like stuck with a lung full of steam, and I'm like, oh shit. So uh, we're back to the seance now. Cassie is kind of running the show. Everyone is joining hands around this table. It's a traditional seance. We all know how that shit goes. You know, she she speaks a lot of nonsense. Uh, they, uh, they're looking to contact a Mel Fremont. Uh, the woman who is there is his wife, Dorothy. Now, Dorothy Fremont is, of course, a character from Blood Feast. I'm guessing that's a reference. Uh, though the actress herself is not. <laughs> I don't recognize the actress, actually. Um, and so they're doing the seance, and at the same time, Brad, remember Brad from earlier, he's checking out the basement. And actually, the basement looks really great. Uh, it it does have like a lot of a lot of colored lighting, a lot of purples and, and 
like sort of reds. There's uh, some really amazing stuff done with colored lighting in this yeah, movie. It really is. Like real like atmospheric shit too. Like there's a shot like it's almost annoying that this is an audio podcast because it's so hard to describe. But there's a shot later on where I th- I want to say they're they're outside or they're they're somewhere and like on a building in the back it's all dark but there's just sort of like this you know splash of colored lights going across it and like it's it's almost distracting in how good it looks <laughs> the, you one, know one of the it, other things that this movie does really well and and is it's one of the hardest things to kind of take from the beyond which again so much of this is is a, is done as a tribute to the beyond is that this is a building. They explore it, like all these characters do, and go to different parts of it. Mm. But there's a point about halfway through where it starts to get impossibly cavernous. Like, they're going from room to room, and it doesn't seem to make any sense where it all connects, and that's intentional. And it right. just seems to be almost, like, otherworldly how how different everything starts looking. And, of course, Todd is using, in this case, haunted house attraction things in order to... Because uh, it's not actually being shot at this outside location that we see. And right. the fact that that all kind of fits together is kind of amazing. You don't ever think that, oh, now we're at a different location. You just think that, oh, this is just another part of this big location. Exactly. So Brad is out uh, down there checking out things. He starts to hear some weird noises. And some uh, and the hole, by the way, is really big. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, like I love, I love how it's like, oh, there's a crack in the wall. Yeah, like, right. Like, no, there is a doorway. <laughs> it's, it's pretty huge. So three women uh, appear. Uh, they, I guess, I wouldn't call them zombies now that you got so upset about me calling those people zombies. Earlier. I didn't get upset about anything. <laughs> they're ghoulish. I never get upset about anything. <laughs> uh, they're ghoulish women. <laughs> That almost sounds more insulting. <laughs> well, there they are three women who are moving in a ghoulish manner, and uh, Brad, at first surprised, and at second aroused by the look of these women. <laughs> uh, this Brad's a fun character. I wish we had a little bit more of him. This is his response to seeing these women. What, you chuckleheads lost? Are you down here to party with the Bradster? Are they there to party with the Bradster? No. No, what are they there to do? Tear the flesh from his bones. <laughs> they all the women come close, and he's like seems into it at first, and they also are kind of caressing his face. <laughs> and then they get uh, they go, the first should have been the first sign there, Brad. <laughs> well, also them coming out of a hole, yeah. uh, and then they pull his face off. They r- literally pull yeah. his face. They off. They rip yeah. his face off, and then they and pull I out got, his eyeballs. Yeah, and I got to tell you, the practical effects in this scene are delicious. There's, yeah. it's so great. It's really fun, and yeah. it, it's, you know, we'll get some organ meat a little bit later, but it's nice that because that first that George Hardy death is kind of off screen. And you're like, well, is this a Todd Sheets movie or is this a Todd Sheets movie? And it's like, right. oh yeah, well, no, we're gonna rip this fucker's face off. Yeah, Hardy probably is like, I don't want to be covered in fake blood. <laughs> I'm only here for a day. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here for a day. I just... <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's happening. Back to the seance. Um, Cassie's getting really into it, and then she starts speaking in tongues. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, was it bad that I started laughing when she started speaking in tongues? Well, I mean, it's. I thought it was pretty funny. It's pretty funny, and then she starts talking like a deadite with like kind of like echoey voice. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love. I forget who 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 says it. One of them goes, "Is that shit normal?" <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, think, I can't remember if it's Jackson or not who says that. But she, like Cassie, the the, the actress who plays Cassie, uh, she's really into it. Like she gets into it hardcore, and I, you know, I I, I think it's great. Yeah, let's give her that. It's Nicole Santarella plays Cassie. She's really, really good in this. Right. And so suddenly she gets sort of like thrown across the room uh, or like thrown out of her chair backwards. Right. And uh, then she kind of comes to and doesn't remember anything. But guess what? She's uh, opened up uh, uh, some sort of portal or she's allowed a demon to get through or a bunch of demons. Uh, nothing worse than letting a bunch of demons get through. So she's uh, everyone's freaked out by this, as they kind of sh- probably should be. Jacob uh, decides, because he's the new security guard, he's going to take Mrs. Fremont uh, back to her car because she wants to get the fuck out of there, which is very reasonable. In fact, you think, considering what she just saw, she'd want to get out there, get out of there really fast. But, right. uh, <laughs> but uh, And also, the, we learned, of course, that the whole seance was gotten on tape. Remember, it was being filmed, and that's Absolutely. something that they have as for posterity's sake. So uh, they're heading on their way out, Jacob and Mrs. Fremont, and the lights go out. Now, remember, the lights are on a timer, uh, so Jacob... Yeah, like, I kind of I thought that the, the timer gimmick was going to be, like, to used to a better effect. <laughs> like, I didn't... I, like, that was probably not the best place to use that timer gimmick, but, I mean, I guess it works. I was really kind of concerned that the because the lights were going to be off for the rest of the episode, that it was going to be, like, really dark. Yeah. But no, in fact, even though the lights are supposed to be issue. off, it's it, it's pretty much as well lit as it was before. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness. It just I, gives I, us that... an excuse for more colorful lighting. Right, exactly. I was, no, I'm very thankful for that. It could It could have gotten real bad from that point on. So Jacob brings Mrs. Fremont to her car. She gets into it, and then... I mean, honestly, she probably should have just left. <laughs> but instead, she makes a phone call to her daughter, Suzette, and uh, gets attacked by a zombie who's in the backseat. Right. Yeah, and she screams a lot. Yeah, like to the, like, like to the point that like I had to pause <laughs> the movie real quick and turn it down because uh, <laughs> there were some people. I, I, like I said, I watched this at work. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I work in an adult video store. So <laughs> Mo's there... life is a never-ending stream of interesting stories. <laughs> it kind of is. Um, and uh, and the I, I had actually just gotten a fairly decent wave of people coming in. Uh, keeping in <laughs> mind, this is like 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and uh, and so, of course, you know what kind of people come out then. What, the what freaks. kind of people? Oh, okay. The, yeah, yeah. As, as Houdini told us, they come out at night. Uh, and and the, the woman starts screaming and everybody in the store stops and looks at me. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Just back to back to your dildo shopping. <laughs> like that's so different than the kind of films that play in the back of that. <laughs> no, it was because this was like a like a like a death scream as opposed to like the <laughs> well, ecstasy screams well, that we normally hear. Like it's so different from the films that play in the very back. <laughs> that's true. That's true. God. Fair point, fair point. <laughs> so Jacob, who is still freaked out by everything, but he doesn't know that the woman just got <laughs> attacked by zombies, he's <laughs> headed back into the building. Uh, this also establishes, by the way, that Jacob has a key that can open doors and shit, which of course he would, but that'll become important a little bit later. He goes into the bathroom because his nose has started to bleed. Yeah. Uh, just suddenly, which does happen to some people. Did you and, I do have to, and I do have to tell you that I did not realize that until I saw the blood in the sink. Because <laughs> Why is that, Mo? Uh, because, well, a couple of things. Uh, a, uh, the, the, this particular shot was extra dark. Um, and then it didn't really help that it was like the dark blood on a black dude. 
We didn't mention, it, by the way, Jacob is Jacob is a black dude. Jacob is a black dude. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's just uh You saying not that there's anything wrong with that seems it's the to worst <laughs> it's the worst sentence I could have possibly said right there. No, I, I what my point though was that like I did not I just thought he wanted to go wash his face. And then he starts putting stuff up his nose. And I'm like, why is he doing that? <laughs> it does and show I, some blood uh, drip, very purple blood drip yeah. into the uh, into the uh, basin of the sink. So, yeah. yeah. And then I realized, oh, he's got a bloody nose. And then I wasn't quite so weirded out by the whole thing. <laughs> well, getting away from our brief racism. <laughs> but but it, it gives way to uh, to a to uh, I don't want to say a decent, but a good enough. Uh, like re- like when they do that mirror reveal. Ah like, oh, man, I'm oh, done with so... I'm done with mirror reveals. Yeah, they're 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 a little overdone, but uh, I, I kind of liked this one. So Jacob like bends down, and we see that there's like a, a ghoul or a zombie in the mirror, and he comes right. back up. And when he goes when he leaves, that it's missing. So it's you know it it's not quite that American Werewolf in London shot where he moves the the mirror, he closes like the 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 uh, medicine cabinet and there's right. a, and suddenly you see someone that's the classic one that's the best one yeah um, so so but don't do that either <laughs> we're sick of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're they are look when 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 you've been parodied on saturday night live it's <laughs> probably a good idea to stop doing it so uh back to the seance cassie is talking to uh i i have them down as students but anyway the people who are filming things uh, and she mentions that it was like the most intense thing that she's ever experienced, that, that she's been investigating the paranormal for a while, but someone unexpected took over during the seance. This then progresses into one of the nicest, maybe one of the nicest moments in any Todd Sheets movie, where it's this really lengthy shot, this kind of otherworldly shot. It looks like a crane shot once again, by the way, going between floors of this yeah. building while uh, the Fabio Frizzi music plays in the background. Well, I got before you play the music sample. I, I want to talk about the the Cassie scene that just happened sure. because this is this is the mo- this is probably the most irritating moment in the film for me because <laughs> wh- whereas I may not be paying attention to characters, I do pay attention <laughs> sometimes to what happens. And like a minute ago, she had no idea what was happening; she couldn't remember any of it, and now she's explaining what happened. Well, maybe she was just in shock for a second, Mo. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I I had an issue with that scene. Well, got an issue? Here's a tissue. God damn it. So let's, <laughs> we don't have any lengthy samples of the music from this movie. And also, it should be noted that not all of the music in the movie is Fabio Frizzi's music. So uh, we wanted to make sure, like, this part definitely is. This will yeah. be the longest sample that we have from it because there isn't some at the closing credits. So let me just play just a little bit so you can get a sense of what that would sound like and let's how... play like five or six minutes of it. Yeah, let's just play the whole <laughs> kind of thing. Play the whole thing. <laughs> and remember, this is this is played over this kind of really slow shot and it's very eerie. I mean, especially with this music playing behind it. I'll shut the fuck up now. Epic. Yeah. 
I mean, and I, like that's one sustained shot. Might be the longest shot in Itachi's movie, uh, yeah. but it it just works really, really well. And hell, even if it's just in there as a way to particularly show off some of that music, I can't blame him. No, I I thought that was a great use for it. Uh, that shot is amazing. That music is amazing. Uh, uh, I'm amazing. And what's what's great is that also this is now the transition to shit going. Bad. Like, right, there's right. already been some deaths, but now stuff's going to break open. And it's yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's good music to lead into that sort of shit. Yeah, it exactly. It really sets the atmosphere. So Jacob and Jackson are now just together. They're kind of walking through the building. Uh, Jacob is really upset about the seance, as since he was <laughs> upset about even taking part in the first place, he right. has much of a right to. He said and of that, course, Jackson makes jokes. Yeah, he jokes. He references the omen and the Amityville horror. Well, and um, he says that his uh, that his ex was a witch and that she thought he cursed him, but <laughs> they'll be fine. I like that that's just a Another thing added to it. He's been cursed by a witch. <laughs> yeah, my ex was a witch. She cursed me. Well, I think we'll be fine. So they notice that the lights uh, are still, I guess, on in Mr. Kane's office, uh, even though I thought all the lights would go off with the 10 o'clock thing, but I guess his would be on anyway. Um, I guess. Maybe his aren't on that breaker. I don't know. They go in and they find it's a, like a big mess in there. Yeah. Uh, it looked kind of messy even at the beginning, so I didn't notice that much. <laughs> yeah, but there's like papers on the floor now. There's also but... a lot of jack-o'-lanterns around. Did you notice that? <laughs> you know what? I, I did not. There are like there are a lot in like a lot of scenes there are jack-o'-lanterns, and I wonder if this office is just part of like uh, a haunted house attraction. <laughs> 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 or maybe they, maybe it's just around Halloween, or maybe... Maybe it's the office for the haunted house. Maybe it is. So, uh, uh, Jackson, when he sees this mess, he gets really worried, and he tells Jacob that he should get his gun. But, of course, Jacob is just a security guard. This is a recurring joke, yeah, too. Yeah, it is. And, that it's, and it's actually one of my one of my favorite jokes in, in the movie, where every time they where's your gun, man? Do I look like I have a gun? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they decide instead that uh, they're going to get uh, Mr. Kane's at first, actually, Jacob thinks that they're hazing him, but when he's convinced that that's not what's happening, uh, they get they go to get Mr. Kane's phone number. Uh, and in fact, when they leave, we see some zombies pop up, but they don't see them, so they're not sure that shit's going on yet. I don't think they really needed to do the let's go get the phone number list thing because, <laughs> I mean, in this age of cell phones, like, I know I have my boss's cell phone in my, you know, in in, in programmed into my phone already. They could have just kept it with the, well, let's go back to my office and get my flashlight, you know. Cell phones, if you think about them too much in the context of this movie, that, that'll that become a problem a little later, too. It really does, yeah. <laughs> um, so Cassie and Hannah, they're talking about the footage that they got, but then we... Jackson went on and on in that previous scene about the fact that he has a very massive flashlight <laughs> that could be used as a weapon. Right. And when they go to his office to uh, to get the phone number, I guess... We see his flashlight, and it is indeed a very large flashlight. It's a mag light. Yeah, I don't see why so much attention is shown to it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not its not like one of those giant, like, billy club flashlights that, like, cops carry around. But, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a handy... You could, you could you know. definitely use it as a weapon. If you well, use. all mag lights you could. Those things are fucking rough. Yes, rough. Rough. Um, then there's some weird editing where suddenly all the characters are together... That is a weapon, man. <laughs> all the characters are together, and they're walking, and they're kind of—they're all going to try to get out. They're basically looking to leave the building, right? 
Um, and in fact, it seems kind of almost premature, which I'm not complaining about because in most movies they wait way too long to try to leave. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they start to talk a little bit about how Cassie has this ability to see like the future a little bit. Uh, and there's it gets kind of a little bit hippy dippy, but thankfully Jacob slash Antoine is there to put an end to all that. <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit, man. We all need to get the fuck out of here. It's not going to let us leave, Jacob. We'll see about that. Let's go. <laughs> the way he close snaps his fingers before he says, "Let's go." Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Bullshit, man. We gotta get the fuck out of here. Um, that's that's such a great line delivery, too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, he, it's a it's a little reminiscent of some other era of filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just, well, they go down to try to leave uh, right out the same entrance that Mrs. Fremont left earlier. And when they're headed there, they see <laughs> Mrs. Fremont's car. And I think I think it's Jacob who says, that's Mrs. Fremont's car. She left already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and meanwhile, I mean, I love when there's like really obvious shit. Like, like when it's obvious for us because it has to be, but then they don't seem to like – take particular notice of it like the giant bloody handprint on the inside <laughs> like uh you know uh, of the the oh god the car yeah it's it? on the inside of the windshield the windshield thank you that was the word i was trying to think of <laughs> so they're trying to get out of this building of this glass door but his keys some ghoulish power has made it so the keys no longer work. My keys, they don't work. <laughs> they don't work. So uh, they decide to all go back inside because the keys don't work. Uh, which I guess is reasonable enough. There's a running theme in this movie that when shit stops working, let's go back to the security office. So, I, I mean, I, honestly, that makes a ton of sense. They should oh, it's all... The, it's, it's the best idea. It's just funny that, that they go back to the security office like three times. Yeah, so what they do is they're going to go to the security office. They're, uh, they're, you know, they'll go up there. They'll have the cameras to see what happened in any of the offices. Um, they can, like keep an eye on what's going on in the building right. and that's it's just the safest spot if they're all together so they do they don't do the the scooby-doo thing of just just breaking up and going in separate ways all of a sudden they do what i think is a pretty reasonable decision yeah um so oh but but then they don't do that <laughs> <laughs> well it's never it's never that easy well i can't remember jackson and hannah hannah being the uh the the other girl <laughs> with who was with the uh, the Cassie who was doing the seance. Right. Jackson and Hannah. Jackson's trying to get with Hannah. Um, they go to the workroom. That's what they're headed for. Into the well, they room. all they all get back to this. They all get back to the to the security room, and uh, the cameraman, uh, of course, has to be enamored by the camera setup. But uh, but then Jackson uh, says, "Well, maybe we should go." To Brad's uh, area and get uh, a crowbar. A crowbar, that's right. So they they go to get a crowbar, which is a really dumb decision. And actually, that goes right against what I said about the Scooby Doo nature. I, I actually, I actually really love the fact that they find the crowbar like that, like it's no problem that's whatsoever. Right. And he goes, "Oh, that was easier than a first date with a cougar." And it's huge. Like this crowbar is fucking massive. Yeah, it's a, it's actually not a crowbar. It's a pry bar. Right. But you know, whatever. I, that's semantics at this point. But, it certainly uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but then a door opens and Hannah gets pulled inside. Right, exactly. Like it goes real bad for them almost immediately. Yeah. So so, so just to just to go over what we just said again, 
Jackson and Hannah go into the basement. They find the crowbar they're looking for right away, but a door opens and Hannah gets pulled inside of it. And uh, Jackson immediately tries to open the door, but he cannot. In fact, he gets like pushed away by some sort propelled, of force, yeah. propelled. Uh, back at the security room, they're looking through some of the footage, uh, and Cassie says that the seance, like the, the weird shit, won't show up on video. Yeah, they're not going to see you on the camera what they're dealing with. And in fact, uh, but Antoine uh, slash and Jacob. Jacob's response is perfect. Cassie, no offense. Shut the fuck up. You need to chill with the spooky shit, okay? <laughs> you need to chill with the spooky shit, okay? Cassie does talk a little bit about her background, that her mom also had the sensitivity to the paranormal as well. And they moved around a lot because there's something kind of following her um I guess like a demon or something. My mom had a sensitivity to gluten. Very good. <laughs> she had to move around a lot too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually just to the bathroom. So Hannah is trapped in this room, and in fact, this is the room from the very beginning of the movie. Uh, I will say that there is um, that we also discovered, by the way, that that corpse that was on the floor with the guts hanging out—that's Mrs. Fremont. Yes. Yes. So that's what happened to her. They brought her back inside <laughs> and put her in a room. Uh, so they use some of the this, footage. Yeah, I was gonna say this is also uh, probably the fastest I've ever seen like uh, a retrospect. You know, beginning <laughs> get get back to it. We're only forty minutes into the movie, if that. Yeah, maybe not even that. That's yeah, right. <laughs> thirty eight, thirty nine minutes into the movie. I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that in the sense that when they do those kind of flash forwards at the beginning of things, yeah, I always worry like that that. That it's going to be too close to the end, right? That right. I kind of wait for those moments to come before I can sort of comfortably get into what's happening. Right. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty quick into into the movie. Um, but, but I got to tell you though, that I, you know, because uh, in micro budget film, you know, using recycled footage is a staple. <laughs> it's it's almost required. But I have I have to say that this movie does one of the best jobs. Of using recycled footage, you know, it probably helps that all of the footage is really quality. Yeah, <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. isn't the uh, um, uh, the abomination which uses that right. footage again and again. Right, right, right. Um, I do. It happens twice in this movie where footage is kind of reused. Uh, the second time, I have a bit more of a problem with it, but we'll talk about that when Yeet. we get to it. Yep. Yup. Classic. <laughs> classic mo. Uh, Jackson runs off because he can't get into the room and goes back to the security room uh, and tells everyone what's going on. Um, the cameraman guy, uh, who I think his name is Wayne, Brad Westmar's character, he mm -hmm. uh, he then asks Jacob if he has a gun. <laughs> Do I look like the fucking sheriff? <laughs> uh, back in the room, Hannah is crying and starts to freak out, and her flashlight starts to go out. That's a combination of bad things all together. So um, no. We find out that that bit at the beginning when all that shit is going down when uh, when the zombies start attacking her, the rest of the group are all outside the door trying to get in. Mm -hmm. This then leads to one of the strangest moments in this entire movie. Yeah, isn't this like this? Like, so they get the crowbar, which is great. They have this crowbar and they they try to hit the door to break it open with this crowbar. Right. Uh, back in the room, the zombies get Hannah and they rip her apart. Literally. Yes, and it's great. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really terrific. Classic like, Todd Sheets. And the music is really great. And the, yeah, so that's all really good. So they're trying to break... Well, no, if it was classic Todd Sheets, there would just be <laughs> guts sitting on top of her actual stomach. Never mind. <laughs> With Mars, the bringer of war. <laughs> 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 Playing in the background. Um, so 
Jacob has the crowbar trying to knock the door. Suddenly the crowbar, he like reaches back to do like a big swing. It flies out of his hand and kills. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It goes through the neck of the um the the female who was filming things, the one who was teamed with with uh, Brad Westmark's character. Right, who who five minutes later we find out is named Tamara. Her name is Tamara, that's right. Yeah. Five minutes after she dies. Are you sure it was uh, it was Tamara and it Am wasn't... I... Uh... Taylor? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> so, so, yes, Jacob murders somebody <laughs> by mistake. This is such a strange moment that someone dies sort of, uh, as some Americans say... On accident, uh, in this scene, it, it it the stupid Americans say that just for the record. I've I've heard it a lot lately. So let's get into this just for a second. What's up right. with people saying on accident instead of I by accident? I don't know. I never understood that. That's one of those. I mean, I, I guess I guess I was I've been a grammar Nazi from an early age. But I mean, like <laughs> I, I I don't get that. I never once in my life have said that. Yeah, well, people who say that are stupid. Sorry, I, hey, everybody. So, sorry, stupid Americans. <laughs> so enjoy, said, enjoy your cheese-covered hot dogs. Enjoy, enjoy your ketchup-covered hot dogs. Uh, ke- ketchup is good. Not on a hot dog. I'm with Dirty Harry on this one. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not a hot dog eater anyway. So hot dog, hot dog, uh, Teddy fucking ball game. <laughs> <laughs> when Yado. <laughs> Anyway, a Canadian doing a Boston accent. Anyway, this young woman is dead because Jacob killed her. (laughs) And we're making jokes. (laughs) But something interesting happens now. Something really, really interesting and very important for the rest of the movie. Back in the room with Hannah's body, a priest appears. Mm -hmm. And he speaks from the Bible or quotes what sounds like it's from the Bible. I'm not an expert on the subject. And this is this is important. We got to talk about this. What? We have to talk about the actor. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the actor who plays the priest in this case? No, you go ahead. I will. I'll talk about it all day long. As soon as I can find out what his fucking name is. Hold on a second. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem. It's like I can't remember what his name was, okay. but, I, yes, no. but I can certainly tell you who I thought it was. Okay. It's This character is Elias Solomon, and it'll explain. the movie will explain just a little bit who this character is, this priest. And he's played by an actor named Lou Temple. Now, Lou Temple has been in a ton of shit. And, like, big productions he was in. Uh, well, I guess a lot of people who are... He was in The Lone Ranger. He was actually very recognizable in that. But he had a large part in one of the seasons of The Walking Dead, which is what I recognize him most from. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. He was a prisoner on that show yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for a few episodes. And, I mean, you know, he has a huge career. He gets constant work. But I will say, and I'm sorry, Todd, <laughs> he's awful in this movie. He's really, really not good. And it's not his performance necessarily, because he doesn't really have to do that much. Uh, well, it is part of his performance. It's his accent. Yeah, it's rough. He's doing this Irish accent, as you sometimes would do as a priest, but his Irish accent is fucking terrible. And I can say Awful. that. That's the one accent I really should be allowed to uh, to really know about, because I have a Newfoundland accent, which you don't hear very strongly, but I mean, which is really just an offshoot of an Irish accent. But his Irish accent is really not good. Yeah. And he has to do all of these kind of long passages from the Bible Th- with his that's moving the, accent, That's right? the big problem is he has to do such long 
you know, like almost like monologues, right. you know, like just constant talking, you know, it's, it's rough. And I mean, his character is supposed to, he should have a lot of charisma, right? I mean, that's his whole deal and, and be able to really kind of dominate the screen when he's on it. But because of that accent, man, it really was rough for me. And I mean, I don't yeah. mean to just pick on him because, and, and honestly, this isn't a criticism of him as an actor as a whole. No, because he's a good actor. He's a good actor. I've seen him be yeah. good in lots of stuff, but the Irish accent, man, does not work for me. Yeah, and, and and also, why didn't you get Jerry Angel to play this role? That is the question of That's the That's the question of day. the day. That, that would have been a perfect role for Jerry Angel. He even looks kind of like Jerry Angel. He looks like him. I mean, he doesn't have a mullet, but neither, <laughs> well, does, neither does Jerry Angel He anymore. could have a do-rag on. It would have been okay. Yeah. So anyway, back to Jacob, who just <laughs> murdered somebody. Uh, Wayne, the cameraman, is very upset at Jacob for killing his good friend. Yep. Uh, but Jacob's pretty upset too He said it was an accident uh, Cassie is crying I mean, there's just a lot of people who are really kind of upset uh, In fact, Wayne even starts choking Jacob um, But Jackson calms everything down Jackson's actually really good at calming people down Yeah And then the door swings open Of course it does They all run inside Well, Cassie runs inside And then the rest of them come after But it's just an empty room In fact, there's not even a corpse Mm-hmm. And then they leave the room And Tamara, who just got the fucking thing through her throat She's gone, her corpse is missing Yup So Jacob then makes the decision As you mentioned before, Mo to, <laughs> Everyone should go back to the security room Let's go back to the security room all <laughs> now, right. We were a lot safer We all A lot less people were dying when we were in the security room So that's where that, they go That is truth right there So they are looking through the cameras They go back to the security room, they're looking through the footage Which they, I guess, didn't really get to before um, and uh, Jackson mentions that you know he, he kind of implies that he has a crush on uh, on Hannah, and he's really worried about her safety. They think that she might still be okay. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, she goes into a room that has no exit, and then she's not there anymore. Uh, and then they end up seeing her on one of the cameras, one of the cameras in the basement. Uh, I guess one of the ones that um, that was set up earlier. They see her walking in sort of a weirdly mechanical way, almost zombieish. I would say. I I would say, like something out of like a J horror. Yeah, that's actually that's that's a much better way. You know, kind of um, jerky, herky yeah. jerky dancing. Right. And so Jackson, who's very excited by the fact that she might still be alive, or probably is, she's walking <laughs> around. <laughs> he runs off to find her in a bad move. Yeah, because of course he he ends up. Uh... You know, running into a room, and of course the door fucking closes behind him. Now, the rest of the group follow him, so he basically goes ahead of them a little bit, and the door closes behind him, right. keeping the rest of them out of it. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's. But I think Jacob has the right, the right point here at this point. What's that? He gives up. <laughs> In fact, this is what he says. This is pointless. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> slamming on the door. This is pointless. I give up. I give up. <laughs> um, Cassie, who is the only one who has really any understanding of what's going on, she thinks there's something powerful in control doing mm-hmm. all of this to them for some goddamn reason. Why not? The room that Jackson has been trapped in is actually a church with pews. Huh? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So there's pews full of like bodies. Uh, they look like corpses just sitting in the pews. And Hannah is in there, and uh, she starts talking to him in a non-Hannah way. <laughs> and then as they're kind of talking in front of the the, the pulpit or whatever, um, the priest shows up. And right. He starts preaching sort of like fire and brimstone stuff. Says a lot yeah, of quotes yeah. from the Bible, which leads Jackson to say uh, this. Yeah, uh, nice speech, but who the fuck are you? Confess me, child. For do not fear he who can take your body, but rather fear he who can take both body and soul. Fiddle-dee-dee, potatoes. Hard to hard to hard to hard So, this is a really strange scene, actually. <laughs> It really is. I, I like it, but yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, I like it's it a beca- weird moment. I like it because it is so strange. So what yeah. happens is uh, he basically – the priest is telling Jackson to sort of join them to some extent. He Just he is sacrifice his body for his sins. Yes, uh, to join the house of Elias. And they – Let me show you the light. And they then lay him down on a cross. A bunch of women do. A bunch of not zombie, ghoulish women. And – Lay him down on a cross and, you know, crucify him. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. Sure. And then they unzip his fly and Hannah fucks him. And you know how and you you know and the best part is the way we know that they unzip his fly is because there is this <laughs> slight over the top zipper noise. Zip. Zoop. It really does stand out as Quite an impressive piece of foley. <laughs> Zoop. Just, yeah. I, I figured that that if it was like a little lower in the mix, that maybe you wouldn't understand that yeah, she was undoing his fly. Get what's going on? But when she starts fucking him, you know, you probably get. You wouldn't go like, "Hey, wait! I thought his pants were up." Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so he. This is. I mean, this is super. You know, we made a little fun in earlier episodes about the fact that all Todd Sheets movies are uh, dedicated to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> which we're not going to make fun of here. Oh no, no, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> but I will say that uh, if you're going to dedicate a movie to Jesus, like this one, I don't believe is, then you probably wouldn't have a crucifixion fuck scene in it. Yeah, but I got to give him credit for thinking up a crucifixion fuck yeah. scene. I mean, yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and by the way, uh, uh, and I mean, he must have wanted it because he has a way of shutting all this stuff down. Right. Um. So. Right when he's about to uh, blow his load, <laughs> I don't think we've ever said that on our show before. They, uh, uh, she, the Hannah, ghost Hannah or ghoul Hannah, reaches to his chest and starts ripping out his guts because this is a Todd Sheets movie, so someone's guts are getting ripped out. I think this is probably the most Todd Sheets esque uh, <laughs> kill in you know. the movie. <laughs> yeah, kill in the movie, absolutely. By the way, uh, one of the other women who are there, Tamara, is there. Her, her, uh, she's been brought into this room. She's also a ghoul, and uh, you might not have noticed that. But, uh, but yeah, so they rip out all of his guts. It's lots he's of organ crazy. meat. It's terrific. And then they raise up the cross because he's now crucified. Jackson did not have a good end. So the door opens because shit's already gone down. <laughs> and because that's like a running theme in the movie now, doors opening, doors closing. I'm glad you brought up those words running theme because what happens now is not just a running theme in this movie but a running theme in the oeuvre of Todd Sheets which absolutely is, which is characters semi-referencing the fact that they are in a horror movie <laughs> right <laughs> it happens in almost every one of them and uh, well this is what happens here 
Yep. Yeah, this is the kind of thing you see in horror movies. And you call people who go through the shit names. This isn't a movie, Jacob. There's nowhere else to go, like Cassie said. Fine. I love how Brad Westmar's <laughs> Brad Westmar's voice is such a radio voice that even when he's just like speaking as a regular person, it sounds like he's trying to be on the radio. Yeah. Um. Well, this isn't a movie. Uh. But yeah. So characters mentioning that they're in a movie, winking. <laughs> that one isn't as irritating as the one in um, uh, Danceathon of Death, which I remember finding <laughs> very irritating. That one was. I gotta be bad. honest with you. I think back to that movie. I I can't remember one thing that happens in that movie. Me neither. <laughs> I think there's an old couple. I think that's all I remember. <laughs> uh, I remember there's a scene where there's some guys, uh, like peeping in on the sorority or the girl's house because they weren't a sorority. That's right. And one of them was like Spider from Nightmare Asylum. Or and they maybe... talk about like wanting to get pizza or like pretend pretending to be the pizza man. I can't believe we're talking about this right now. Yeah. Uh, back to the get, movie let's that we're actually... to, let's get back to this Todd Sheets movie. Cassie grabs the uh, flashlight from Jacob and she walks into a room because she has a certain feeling about it, and it's of full of like uh, films, like uh, thirty-five millimeter or sixteen millimeter, and projection equipment. And mm-hmm. this is where we get a flashback. This is also the point in the movie, like just before the flashback, where the I realize that the cameraman has a incredibly distracting blood spot on his face. So every <laughs> so every time he comes on screen, I'm just staring at that blood spot that's so like <laughs> it's just there. I'm like this is so so fucking distracting. I, so now, I have to be honest, I never noticed it at all. Oh, uh, I did. I just I kept I like focused on it. I'm like, wow, that's look like it looks so bad. I think it's that's less a difficulty with the movie and more difficulty with your brain. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> that might be true. So Cassie is she handles this equipment, <laughs> uh, and she suddenly has a flashback. <clears throat> To what led up to all of this And this is great The flashback is uh, Prohibition era America So what like uh, 1920s, 30s um, During the um, depression Yeah the, yep. That's not bad I, I said it right Yeah There's all of these Half naked women Because it's like a bordello Yeah And, and, and before I get into the boobs um, I, I gotta tell you The period costuming In here Really good. It's really good. Some of the women, some of the women look a little modern, mostly because they have tattoos, which probably wasn't that prevalent back in the 1920s. Yeah. Well, I think the most distracting tattoo is like I don't know if it's in this scene or later, where there's like this rather uh, rotund gentleman who has a vampire tattoo on his arm. (laughs) What are you you trying to say? (laughs) You know, like that's a. But maybe you might want to cover that one up. But, but the main thing here, and this is great, uh, is that this bordello is run by Klaus and Greta. Yeah. Klaus is played by Howard Moore from uh, Ilsa Haramkeeper of the Oil Sheiks and yep. Ilsa the Tigress of Siberia. And Greta is played by Ilsa herself, Diane Thorne. I fucking love that. Now, here's the thing. Diane Thorne hasn't been in a movie for like decades. Like, maybe not decades, but like a really fucking long, long time. Long time, yeah, yeah. Uh, and... So Todd, good good get. Yeah, a big get in this case. And yeah. here's the other thing. She is great in this movie. Like, Phenomenal. Like she's so fucking good and she's so good. I expected this to be the most distracting casting in the movie because I knew she was in it going in. And right. but she isn't she isn't just like 
She's actually giving a performance And she's so good that it makes me think Holy shit, people should be using her more I mean, She's got to be up there She's got to be, what, late 60s, maybe early 70s um, Probably, yeah but, but, I mean, she's still uh, I mean, she's really, really good and, and, she's, and She's a total badass in this, too it's, She's so good Yeah uh, We should probably stop using the word good, but she's good She's so great <laughs> And Klaus, I mean, Howard is really good as Klaus, but I mean, that, that part is a little bit more kind of cartoonish in some ways. Right, right, right. Uh, so we see how this bordello sort of operates. A wallet falls out of a guy's jacket. And for the first time ever, the wallet legitimately fell out of the guy's jacket, and the prostitute yeah. is trying to pick it up for him, uh, but he thinks that she's trying to steal it. Uh, Klaus steps in. He shows that they don't operate. Uh, I mean, people, they'll beat the fuck out of some dude if he's going to... Well- well, Greta has this great line. She's like, why would we steal from your wallet when you're already willingly giving us all your money? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's the perfect example. I and mean, that's a, such a great explanation. You're 100% right. Now, we also discovered that Elias, the priest, is ha- in this bordello. And he's actually just finished having sex with uh, a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, his Irish accent is very inconsistent here. <laughs> and Klaus, he says hello to Klaus and Greta. Obviously, they're very familiar with one another. And they ask him to talk in private. Every once in a while, they, we switch back in this movie to Cassie, who is explaining to Wayne and Jacob what she is seeing. Which is I found good. I found this both kind of funny but annoying at the same time. I know. That I... we're seeing the exposition and then being told the exposition we just watched. <laughs> but it, I guess it is important for Wayne and Jacob, Wayne being the cameraman, to, right. to know what's going on as well. She must just be standing there having a vision. Yeah. Um so we discover that uh, Elias has been coming to the brothel once a week for as long as he can remember. He says it's good for the soul. Uh, yeah. And uh, he has a uh, favorite girls there. In fact, he has two favorite girls, Therese and Nicole. Nicole is his favorite. In this private conversation, we discover that Nicole is pregnant. Yep. Uh, Preggers. Yeah, and in fact, that Elias has been quite uh, taken with Nicole in the sense that, he, that she is the only one that he's ever slept with, and he took her virginity. Yeah, and that he beat the shit out of a guy who almost who, slept with her. Yeah, who almost slept with her. So Greta thinks that Elias should pull some strings because he, uh, I guess, is in government in some capacity now to keep people off of their back. And also, she wants twenty thousand dollars. Well, I, I think she said something like, "There's like a, like a rival church or something yeah, like yeah, that, or yeah, shut down or something." Like right, that. and that, yeah, and and twenty grand. Yeah, and she's really good, like super threatening, but also like you can see how she'd be able to run a place where you have to turn on a dime. Um, yeah, she no, it's a perfect madam. And uh, Elias is very upset or uh, confused, and uh, this is how this conversation kind of comes to an end. I thought we were friends. Char char char. From what I've seen, your friends all end up dead. All end up dead. <laughs> Just stay acquaintances. Yeah, so she's God, not... now I want to go back and watch White Sleeves in Chinatown. <laughs> so she's not taking any shit. She sends Elias off. Um, Elias is super pissed, as you would expect. $20,000, how much money do you think that is in modern-day money, Mo? A lot. A lot of fucking money. It's a mo- twenty thousand dollars alone right now for me is a lot of money. For everyone. Yeah, it's it yeah, it it sad when I think about it. Twenty thousand dollars for me right now is like, you know, life changing. Yeah, that would that could really get me out of my doldrums. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. we uh, on the way as Elias is heading out, we um or actually I guess it's a little bit later, we do see some other people enjoying themselves in the bordello, one of them being a little person. 
<laughs> one of them being a little person actually riding a woman and striking her with the cat of nine tails. Um, and also a really fat guy. Yeah, well, the thing, you know, it cracks me up with the... See, you get uh, all kinds here. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Um, I, I love when, when we see the, uh, the, the well, I'll use the PC term, with the little person... That's what I said. Uh, ...riding the, the, the woman and beating her. You know, it's funny because the woman seems to really be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like she's got a big smile on her face, you know? But uh, Greta did not appreciate it. Well, she basically said that if you want to do that, you got to pay more. Right. Which is, you know, that's, that's fair enough. Makes sense. That's 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 the world we live in, or should be living in. Um, mm. So then Elias returns with a case and some hired goons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Elias uh, comes up and he meets with uh, Greta and gives her the case. Actually, her and Klaus take the case into another room, and after they've gone away, guess what happens? Death. Murdering time. Basically, Lots Elias and his guys, they start killing everybody in the whole fucking place. Yeah, and it's just getting blood all over the boobs. There's some blood. There's a nice close-up of some bloody boobs. There's which some Mo, real... Mo has risked us getting our fucking Facebook group uh, <laughs> taken off Facebook. <laughs> now we're, are we, we're a closed group, right? We're a closed group, but I think that, that we still it, aren't allowed to post nudity in it. Absolutely are. Well, I think if someone complains about it, that it can get us uh, close. What we're saying is, don't report us for yeah, showing. Yeah, don't. Re- yeah, first off, if you're on our group page and the uh, and the image of slightly blurry, bloody boobs, you can't really see the you, much through the. Yeah, uh, you just see the uh, the shape of boobs and they're covered in blood. If that's offensive to you, you're in the wrong group. But and I did mention this in the conversation, we are perfectly okay if you want to have a bloody dick there. If you yeah, go that, ahead. Go ahead. We're- Equal I'm opportunity fine. for this. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so so any sort of genitalia covered in blood, that is what we love. That's, yeah. that's just what we're saying. Just no like tampon stuff. That's gross. I said uh, all all comers. All right. All right. Fine. All comers. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that then. So Cassie, <laughs> Cassie, who is dealing with this uh, flashback, is very upset about what she's seeing. Yeah, there's like a lot of killing. Um, it's, it's all I think one of them has like a machete. One of them has an axe. It's uh, it you know, and lots, lots of death. A knife. Uh, yes, and he's got a little knife that he's stabbing people with. I just tried to stab you in the neck. So the back to the group, back to modern day. Uh, Cassie and the explains it to them again. Explains them again, and then they go to another room, which seems to have some sort of like large meat grinder in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's also they have a spooky little girl in front of a TV. Yeah, I love this scene. Yeah, this is actually really great. So they get closer to her. You know something bad's going to happen. because Yeah, exactly. Because when you start talking to somebody, when you're walking up from behind on somebody, you start talking to them, and they don't turn around to talk back to you, you know something creepy's about that. Also, if a lot of creepy shit's been happening and you run into, like, a little girl, that's just not good. Right. So this little girl turns around, uh, and she doesn't have a face. Or she oh. has, like, a fucked up face. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, like, it's it's all... There, there's no, like, nose or mouth and, like, the eye holes. Like, there's no eyes, but the eye holes are, like, sunken in. So she almost looks like a flesh version of, like, Jack Skellington. Yeah, so she's f- fucked up looking. It's crazy creepy, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's really good. I yeah. What I didn't love was, was Wayne's reaction, which is, I don't know about you guys, but we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Jacob, quite rightly, thinks that all of this spooky shit is connected to the seance earlier. Uh, Cassie believes that they've opened the veil that uh, has somehow t- 
ties back into the massacre at the brothel that they just saw. Mm-hmm. But who cares? Now we're going to get the weirdest thing in the entire fucking movie. Absolutely. <laughs> so they when, go- I, when, I, when I saw this, I had to pause for a second because I had such a what the fuck moment. Like, I need to process this for a second and then we'll move on. So they go into another room. Yeah. And <laughs> it has a giant fat demon. Yeah, there's no other way to describe it. He's a fat demon. Who is basically sitting on like a throne, and under him are women, including women in cages. Yeah. And, and so far, so far, none of this is particularly bad. I mean, obviously, women in cages, but it's symbolism, and well, it's fine. Symbolism. Uh, well, it's imagery. It's imagery, not necessarily <laughs> symbolism. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. Uh, but then we get a nice full kind of body shot of the uh, of the demon, and... Uh, he has some of the most interesting body features I think I've ever seen explain, on, a, explain. on a demon. Um, so, uh, you know those little things that that, that all people have? Uh, I believe they're called nipples. Nips? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't. He has <laughs> he has horns. Horn nipples. And it's not, like it's not like they don't come out to a point like you would think a nipple horn would. No, no. They, they curve up. Like a bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he know, has like curved a... nipple horns. Big curved nipple horns. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a giant demon. <laughs> it's such a fucking what the fuck moment. I'm like, I, I gotta, like, I, I got to process these nipple horns for a second. I like how he says, come and join my feast. <laughs> uh-huh. So I guess he's like eating people. But what's even more interesting is that our group, which remember are only three, it's Cassie, Wayne the cameraman, and Jacob. They have... Like, there's no other way out. I guess they're unwilling to go backwards, so they have to run through this room. Right. And uh, quite rightly, they're a little bit concerned, Wayne is, that that, uh, the demon's going to get them if they try to run through. But this is what Jacob's response is. I love this. We're going to have to run right through there. What about that freak up there? What's he going to do? Run after us? His big ass probably can't even get down. Sorry, I included some of the sounds. I love the, the <laughs> fact that you included the sounds of him gorging himself. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, Zip. So they run through this kind of like pack of zombies. And oh, 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 before before you give this away, yeah. I, I just want I just want to ask ask the audience for a second. So, audience, okay, there's three characters left. <laughs> there's the male lead, the female lead. And the guy who, up until this point, we've been calling the cameraman. <laughs> Who's just some dude. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, you know, if you have to run past a giant demon uh, sitting on cages of women, and you know that one of them isn't going to make it. <laughs> so, as you might know by this point... <laughs> Uh, while while Jacob and Cassie are able to get through the zombies actually surprisingly easily. Yeah, super easy. Uh, Wayne, unfortunately, Wayne, who, by the way, was the one who was concerned about getting through these people. <laughs> the cameraman. He runs into the demon, who apparently his big ass did allow him to get down. Uh-huh. Uh, and he is fucked. He gets bitten in the neck by the demon. And yeah. uh, and actually, he uh, his response to this is, well, it's a reference, of course, to Day of the Dead. Let's hear his famous quote. Choke on me, big bastard! <laughs> Some good music in the background nice. there, too. Choke <laughs> on me, you big bastard! 
that was Wayne's big moment. He didn't really have any other. <laughs> he had no other moments, so yeah. So uh, Jacob and Cassie have managed to make it through. Uh, Jacob, but I, I, I love, I love at this point is where they they kind of make reference to the fact that like you know spatially this doesn't seem to right. make sense. Like, this is the biggest damn basement. <laughs> yeah, they're like a, like a huge tunnel at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and actually, they're they're trying to catch their breath for a second. Jacob's like, I just wanted to start a new job and provide for my kids. And then Hannah's zombie she appears and they run off. Uh, and then they end up somehow at the bottom of a stairwell. Well, I love I love the fact that Cassie is like mentioning how determined she is to find Hannah. Yes. And then Hannah shows up and they run and off. they run away. <laughs> well, some bad shit's gone down. Uh. So they get to the bottom of the stairwell and as they climb it, even though it's a very modern stairwell, when they get to the top, they're actually in like the the brothel from the nineteen thirties. Right. And in fact, they've gone back into the vision in the sense that the Elias hasn't arrived yet to start his, his massacre, but he's about to. Yeah. I love I love the fact that they hear like noises from the floor above them and decide to go check it out. I like that that they go up there and Cassie is adamant that she wants to stay even though there's like going to be a massacre. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh and but but I think Jacob has the best line where he goes as long as there's no big ass guy with nipple horns I'll be okay. <laughs> That might be my favorite line from the entire movie. Like, how you didn't pull that as an audio clip is beyond me. Well, someone could have asked me to do it. I didn't think to. <laughs> so uh, there's they basically are standing in a corner while all this murder happens and are not noticed at all. Nope. Uh, by the way, speaking of not noticing, I guess when Greta and Klaus were in the other room opening the case, they didn't notice all the screaming <laughs> that was going That's on. That's what well. I was thinking. I'm like, you would think... You would think that they would have heard the screaming. So the money that they are given, the case which is supposed to have money, they open it in the other room, and it's actually a woman's head. I guess it's Nicole's head. I would assume it's Nicole's head because right. it's not because it's not Teresa's or what's her name? Teresa? Was yeah, that her name? I think it was. Yeah, it's not hers because we watch her get killed. Yeah. Now uh, Nicole, for those who don't remember, that was the prostitute that he got pregnant. Right. So um, it probably would have been good to like. Have show them her? say oh, Nicole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or or to maybe you know like introduce us to the character previously, but I you know whatever. Might be hard to find a pregnant woman. I guess. Uh, I, <laughs> they, they haven't been in downtown Peterborough. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> um. So yeah, so all the murdering is going on. We get to see a lot of kind of reused footage, which is okay. I was a little bit irritated by that because it's violence, and that seems a little cheap. But there's some new violence too. Yeah. Um. So Greta and Klaus... And we get to see bloody boobs again. Same bloody boobs again. Greta and Klaus come out to see what's going on. Uh, they, they witness some of the massacre. Um, Klaus goes to attack Elias, but gets stabbed. Yeah, Elias kills Klaus way too easily. Yeah, considering he, he was shown to be somewhat of a badass. Yeah. So then he's about to kill Greta. And uh, he, in fact, he tells her like to bow down before him. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and she refused before Zod. And then, just as he's about to kill her, um, Cassie interrupts. Right. So so the, the the two timelines combine, and he must be very confused about this woman he's never seen before. Uh, but then he kills his own men, stabbing them. Yeah, he's like, it doesn't matter; they're already dead. Yeah, he goes. He he's telling them that uh, Elias is saying that they can't change what has already happened. He does sort of a speech, and then it kind of culminates in him stabbing Greta in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And with that, Cassie and Jacob run off down the stairs Probably what they should have done in the first place Yeah 
And this is when think she, of the head start they would have had on him already if they had done that. Yeah. Now this is we're we're really approaching the end of what we're going to talk about. And yes, we've talked about a lot of shit, but we're not going to give away the ending. So right. they run into the basement. It's full of zombies or full of ghouls or whatever. In fact, one of them is doing the uh, exorcist spider walk. And I got to tell you, it's super fucking creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. That spider walk is always creepy. It's And the guy who, the person who's doing it, really good job with it. Good job, spider walk person. Well done, spider walk ghoul. Uh, so Cassie and Jacob, they're running. They can hear Elias and the zombies behind them. And Elias says, uh, of course... Ollie, ollie, oxen free. Come out wherever you are. <laughs> Come out wherever you are. Come out wherever you are. That's a char With my lucky charms. I have to char. Fuck. Jesus. So Cassie and Jacob, they find a pentagram on a wall, which appears to be some sort of portal. And Cassie starts speaking in tongues and some computer effects, which... I wasn't too impressed with the computer effects. Hey, better than uh, Moonchild. <laughs> I said the computer effects opens up a portal a la the 90s TV series Sliders. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, good, good reference. <laughs> and they jump through it. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, actually, I believe that the computer effects may have been done by Tony Maciello, who uh, did one of the segments in High 8. Uh, it just, uh, in this particular context, it does not look that good. Um, and then they go through the tunnel. And some other things happen. But we're not going to give away the very ending of the movie. No, because we do want you to watch this. We should. And, and yeah. that's something that we really want to reiterate. That even though we've... This, in the context of the movies we watch on this fucking program, on, on No Budget Nightmares, this one is, like, way better than almost every one of them. I got, I got to tell you, you know, like, uh, this, this one easily breaks into the top, you know, Two. Yeah, maybe top two or three movies that we've yeah. on the show. I mean, it's it's right up there. It's one of the best movies. And I mean, it, the rank gets higher the more you are familiar with Todd Sheets and the movies, and or, or a fan of his. If you're yeah. a fan, then this you have to see. You have to see. You have to. Idiot. This is this is Todd Sheet fan. You know, uh, must see movie. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, as high eight is to shot on video, this is to both Lucio Fulci. And also the entire filmography of Todd Sheets. Right. This, this is like the, the next level. And what's great about it is that you can still tell it's a Todd Sheets movie. Yeah. Even yeah, though it abs- doesn't have like all of those uh, sometimes not great elements. Of no, the, it, but, but I think I think he kept what works and I think he, you know, left out the stuff that probably should have been left out. And it's and, and I really I really think that. Uh, this is, I mean, if not his best movie, it's one of his best movies. I I think that's really fair to say. The only really th- fair to say. There's only a couple of things that I wish were included that were not. Uh, I wish we saw maybe a few more actors from past Tachi's pro, uh, movies, specifically Jerry Angel, but but also uh, Derek Brenner, uh, who we would have liked to have seen here, especially because he's a, especially because he's a friend of the show. But yeah, but first, but. I think there was a, a an intention here to move away from some of that casting by the very fact that Todd himself doesn't make an appearance in the movie. Yeah. Now, um, we we should say that there is in in the last little bit of the movie. I think we mentioned it during the Lloyd Kaufman thing that he his character, the Lloyd Kaufman grandpa character, appears again, and I find that very irritating. <laughs> 
It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary, and it, it again, tonally, it kind of fucks things up a little bit. But I guess I can see what they're trying to do, uh, adding a little bit of comedy, because at the end of the day, this movie, even though it's meant to be taken seriously in terms of some of the, the, the horror of it, it's not, it's, it's with kind of a light touch. But that's typical Todd Sheets, though. But it's also typical because he recognizes that his audience will be incredibly familiar, generally, with the kind right. of movies that this is, uh, this is referencing and imitating. Right. To one extent or another. So the closing credits are great. Actually, you know what's really great about the closing credits? And we should really talk about this. All the characters are shown uh, with with their names next to photographs of them in death poses. Yeah, except Lloyd Kaufman. Except who, Lloyd of course, Kaufman. has to ham it up. <laughs> well, his character didn't die. Spoiler. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but I really like that. I think that that, that was... A... I thought that was great. I, said, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah. So... Um, we also get there's lots of dedications in the closing credits, but there's also behind the scenes photos of the making of the movie included. Uh, yeah, and and that's where we get our Todd Sheets appearances. In fact, there's lots of them. We posted actually a few over on the Facebook group. But it's nice. It's really nice because it shows that this movie is something special for for Todd and the people making it, and that it is yeah. you know that the very fact that he's there isn't just like an ego trip. It's the people who are watching this want to see him and want no, to see yeah. yeah, we're watching it for Todd, exactly. Uh, a cover of House of the Rising Sun plays over the uh, closing credits. Well, uh, yeah, it's good. I like yeah. it. And uh, yeah, so we have the corpse photos, uh, dedications to Sage Stallone, the late Sage Stallone, Lucio Fulci, mm-hmm. Chaz Ballin, really nice, you know, lots of recognizable names. In fact, at the very end, and we have to mention this, there's a list. Talk- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I will go ahead, sir. Yeah. There's a special thanks to uh, a whole bunch of people. And, I mean, if you're a regular listener to No Budget Nightmares, a lot of the names on that list are going to look familiar. Uh, Brandon Bennett is on the list. Uh, Tim Ritter, of course. David Dakota. Ron Bonk. Chris Siever. Matt Hill, of course, friend of the show. So, I mean, it's it's just great to see so many, while I releasing, just a lot of people that we are familiar with. And it kind of shows how much history is behind a project like this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is super fucking cool. Mo. Super cool, man. So right now, you cannot see House of Forbidden Secrets. Sorry. Uh, I mean, uh, that I am so, sure. Soon enough, I'd imagine. Soon soon enough, you are going to have your opportunity to watch it. Please keep your eye out. And if there's a screening uh, occurring in your neck of the woods, please go, go see, see it. Go see it. Yeah, absolutely. You, I'm absolutely going to keep my eye out for I mean, for you, you certainly have to understand that the ideal way of watching this is not... Mo and I individually in our apartments. <laughs> no, no, no. This this is the perfect movie to watch with a bunch of other people. A you bunch know, of get, nerds, especially. Bunch, yeah, a bunch of fucking like horror film nerds and. Yeah, and the, yeah. you will have a good time with it. If you're a listener to the show, you're going to have a good time with it. Absolutely. Again, there's problems. There absolutely is. But even those problems, some of the things that we were criticizing, other people watching it will actually see those as a plus instead. Yeah. Uh, and we're not just blowing smoke here. This no. this is a quality movie. This is probably. The best Todd Sheets movie. I think maybe you can say that unequivocally, actually. Yeah, no, it's, it's. I mean, really, really, really well done. Uh, I think um, I had a point I was going to make. And oh, let's I, hear it. Let's hear this point. And now I've that? completely fucking forgotten it now. Hmm. Oh, I was going to say this was, this. It's, well, not a point. I was just making a statement that this was one of my most anticipated, you know, movies uh for a while now, I've been waiting to see it, and to be able to to be able to see it a before it's released for home, and uh, and to be able to cover it on the show, you know, with Todd's blessing at that is is a is such a big 
deal for me. I'm so like, I was so excited when we got that news and, uh, and to be able to cover it. I'm just, I'm very happy about that. Not to reminisce a little too much, but I think back to our first, the, the anniversary show where we did a bunch of interviews and how right. that eventually led into us getting to interview Todd on the show. Uh, yeah. For the Goblin episode, and how weird and kind of surreal that was after talking about him as I, I mean, we've met so many interesting people through this show anyway. But yeah. The fact that this community has sort of kind of circled around it, and now it's it's gotten to the point where he appreciates us enough that he's giving us access to his movie. To I know. Talk how about. It's it's baffling it's, yeah, it's well, fucking you know. it's and of course with the possibility that we could rip it apart i mean we believe me if this movie was bad we would we would have yeah we would have given it the full we, fucking treatment we, we, you we know? would have been really apologetic about it because we're not yeah assholes. it would have been like sorry sorry this movie's awful but i mean we would have you know but that's the thing you have to take you have to take this sort of thing with that level of honesty you can't you know, sugarcoat something because then our credibility goes down. Exactly. Uh, not that. Not that either one of us really have any credibility to begin with. Now this is. A, <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit. No, you're right. Well, you probably have a little more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you know, we should uh, praise the cinematography. Which this movie looks really good. I mean, really, it, just, I didn't. Really I didn't recognize that it was shot on uh, uh, horror. Um, like a haunted house type location until yeah. The- well, that that's the biggest thing is when you is 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 watching the film and then finding out those little factories. It's not like Nightmare Asylum where like you know. I was gonna say you know. you, it's it's probably good that they didn't show terrible looking pinheads and Chucky dolls <laughs> in the fucking back or or uh, uh, the Exorcist heads right. <laughs> just hanging around in the background. This <laughs> this is proof of a filmmaker who has evolved. But who, yeah. who always had skills, but maybe didn't always have the resources to show them off. But someone exactly. who, who who has grown into that part. And now, hey, man, I hope we see another 10, a dozen, 20 Todd Sheets movies. Absolutely. And uh, and I'm also going to anticipate them because of their quality, as opposed to, hey, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mo, uh, we have to clue up fairly soon. But uh, yeah, And by the way. Wow. We're going for a while. Uh, yeah. Everyone, stay tuned to the end of the show for Rue's new song about House yes. of Forbidden Secrets. It's amazing. But before we get to that, a couple of small things. First, Mo, we have a very special movie that we're going to be covering next time. All the movies in 2015 have been special so far. This yeah. is this is one I think is going to get people excited. We're trying, you know, we're making a big push now to get uh, a few more people on the Facebook group. It grows every week. But I really want to see it hit that 500 mark. I think it will give us a little bit more legitimacy. And you're helping us with that, and I appreciate that very much. And we're hoping that this choice of a movie might help with that, too. Absolutely. What movie Uh, is it? We are going to be covering the classic J.R. Bookwalter's The Dead Next Door. Been a lot of excitement around J.R. Bookwalter's uh, Robot Ninja online lately, uh, mm. and of course covered on a previous episode of No Budget Nightmares. We're going back to the well to Bookwalter's most famous film. I think it's pretty clear that really his most famous movie. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The Dead Next Door. Yes, I haven't seen this movie since probably 1993 or 94. It's been a really long time for me too, but I always, uh, I you know, I always have very fond memories of it. I remember really enjoying it when I watched it. It might be one of the most well-known in horror circles, anyway. Uh, Ultra low-budget movies, because yeah, because yeah, you can't you created. can't even say shot on video because it wasn't. Yeah, but that's is, right. is isn't it one of like the most expensive shot on eight millimeter films ever? Yes, I think it actually was. Yeah. I mean, at the time, and, and certainly the fact that uh, there was help 
put in by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. And I mean, it, the story behind its creation it, at some point in the nineties was, was almost as famous as the movie itself. Yeah. Um, and, but we'll talk about that once we get to the episode. So uh, next uh, time on the no budget nightmares podcast, we will be covering uh, 1989's the dead next door by J.R. Bookwalter. Yeah. Mo, if people are looking for us online, what's the best way to find us? Oh, just go right to Facebook. What? Yeah, go to Facebook. Do a search. Find, uh, you know, the No Budget Nightmares. Or if you want, you can just go right to uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. The, up until recently, there was a old No Budget Nightmares page that uh, people were sometimes still liking on the site and was causing a little bit of confusion. I finally put that to rest yesterday. Well, um, it, you put it, you scheduled it that's for right. deletion. It'll be, it'll be gone in like two weeks. Right, but I have notified people on that, hey... Join us on the Facebook group. You will... I think it's better off to just be on the group anyway. Absolutely. It is because it, it allows for more open conversation. It doesn't right, feel as right. controlled. And it allows for, theoretically, uh, some arguments to happen. Though, thankfully, we have a very kind and, and open group. So uh, it, that hasn't been the case. Uh, I should also mention here that I was recently... Uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this. I'm going to talk about it anyway. Talk we, about we it. Were ta- we were contacted by Chris Seaver, uh, who was one of the... Oh, right. Uh, from, uh, one of the contributors, well, he, he runs Warlock Home Video. A lot of people love that. Uh, has been uh, making um, low-budget, ultra-low-budget movies for years and years. Uh, and he contacted us sort of out of the blue. And at first I was like, oh, shit, because I did not like this segment. <laughs> right, exactly, because you were not particularly kind about his no, segment. No, I said him. some really – I didn't say it about him, but certainly I did not like that segment very much. Right. But also with the recognition that he was one of the people who um, – who was concerned about his segment in high eight being edited. And right. he has reached out to us. Uh, in fact, he, what he wanted, uh, or one of the things he suggested was that he be interviewed on the show. Look, if there's enough of a call out from you out there to have Chris Seaver be interviewed on the show, then we'll certainly do it. We don't normally and, and, do that kind of shit. And call out because I, I want to. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little iffy on it just because I feel like everybody deserves an equal voice and it feels right, like it right. might be a little one-sided. But, I mean, certainly I want to talk to Chris about his entire career. Uh, all right, let's, get, let's gather up all the high directors and, it, and interview every single one of them. That, let's do it. That's fine by me. In fact, I, I would, don't think it would, would be as difficult. to do that. That wouldn't be that difficult at all. Probably not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that. Otherwise, I might do a, a, a one-on-one with Chris Seaver for Daily Grindhouse and we have a little chat uh, just about his entire career. I think that would be a lot of fun. I uh, think it would, too. Either way, I think it would work out nice. Yeah, well, one of them involves me transcribing a bunch of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Mo, of course, uh, you can still find all of our old episodes. You can sign up on iTunes and Stitcher. You can uh, leave us a review on iTunes over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Check out all of our old episodes there. You can find Mo at DrunkOnVHS and me at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y over on Twitter. Please check us out. Check, uh, you know, reply to us, add us. just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but someone, again, another person just out of the blue were like, you know, I was just talking to someone recently, uh, and he works on a fairly well-known property, who uh, who said that he's a big fan of No Budget Nightmares. That's awesome. And I'm like, I'm like that is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Tell this yeah, person. Yeah, no, our, I think it's great. Our, 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 you know, the name's getting out there. You know, people, people are enjoying the show. Yeah, it, it, probably not the earlier episodes, but you know they're enjoying it. Yeah, but let us know if you like the show. If you have uh, other friends that you want to tell about the show, please do so. We're we're we're, we're really trying to kind of get the, the word out if at all possible. Mo, well, you... what I what I love about the uh, about our Facebook group is is how much like it, like it's almost like becoming like a family. You know, yes. it's like 
we're, we're all very like super supportive of each other and, and, uh, and nobody really argues all that much. Although I wish we did a little bit more. We, It'd be more fun. We, we've, we've been pretty careful with the moderation of it in terms of who right. gets in. I don't mean that we're keeping people out. I mean, but we're just, we don't want any of that fucking, uh, sunglasses spam that gets into a lot of groups. So we're yeah. trying to keep an eye on who to make sure that they're real people. Also, Honestly, even though we like people coming in and, and promoting their stuff, if you do it too often, you get booted. Uh, yeah. And I just had to boot someone a couple of days ago, and the people who are in the know in terms of Facebook groups probably already know already know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but you know, we, we're careful about that kind of stuff. And again, if you're pushing your shit too hard, we'll say push your shit a little less hard. Right, right. <laughs> also, at least know what No Budget Nightmares is if you're going to be in the group. Right, exactly. You know, make yourself part of the community before you start spamming us. Exactly. And then and then don't spam us. Yeah, that's also a nice thing. I like people. I like it when they just come in to promote their similar podcast. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, Mo, seen anything good lately? Um, House of Forbidden Secrets. I did watch House of Forbidden Secrets. I, I you know, I've been, I've been kind of doing like a, like a, a, I haven't watched anything new in particular, but I've been doing a lot of rewatches of some stuff that, and uh, so like last night I watched Bad Words again, which is. Just such a grossly underrated movie. I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I always hear mixed things about it. Oh, uh, see, I think I think it's one of the biggest surprises of the last few years. You know, I, I thought it was uh, brilliantly funny and like and like clever, not like an not necessarily like a laugh out loud kind of funny. Right. But there's a lot of moments where you go that that's really funny. Um, and and I think the I think what a lot of a lot of people don't like about it is is the uh, the little kid. Because a lot of people don't like little kids in movies, but I think he's hilarious. I I really enjoy his performance. And I don't like little kids in general, but I me neither. But you know, I, I on your recommendation, I will check it out. Yeah, give it a go. And if you don't like it, then blame me. That's fine. So I was just in Toronto, uh, and I didn't have a lot of time to see movies, but uh, because of, of the schedule that I was on, uh, Jill and I went to see uh, the documentary, The Dropbox. Which I had only read about, I uh, but I only like heard about the description of it. I just and, I don't even know what that is. Well, it's it's perfectly okay. It's not a very well known movie. It's about like anyway. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. <laughs> but we get Thanks. in there only to discover because I'm so stupid and this is totally my fault that it was a Christian like. Um, I mean, it was propaganda. It basically is what it is. Nice. Uh, and we didn't realize it until we were sitting down and there was like 20 minutes of like. Kirk Cameron quotes and uh, focus on the family commercials and just really ridiculous. Sorry, people who are offended by what I'm saying right now, but we were like horrified <laughs> to find ourselves in this. And of course, we left and got our money back. And we were like, <laughs> it just means you got to do your research. Totally my fault. Uh, but later that night, I saw this Chinese movie called Snow Girl and the Dark Crystal. Oh, this kind of epic fantasy, not really a martial arts movie, even though there's some martial arts in it. And it's it's pretty entertaining, but it has some of the worst CG I have ever like. like <laughs> one of the characters is basically sort of like the Incredible Hulk he has the ability to kind of Hulk up. And when he hulks up, he turns into a character from reboot from the mid 90s, the TV show. Wow. It looks so like some of the, it's, it's done by it's directed by the cinematographer of Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's from this year. It's like new. Wow. But it's it looks some of it looks ridiculous. That's that it was so ridiculous. It's all I can really talk about. How kind of stupid <laughs> it was right now. Uh, but if you do want to check out, I also we just recently did a Giallo week over at Daily Grindhouse. Lots of really great interviews and articles about uh, about uh, famous uh, Gialli. And um, there's actually a great article uh, by Freeman Williams about why he doesn't like 
uh, the genre as a whole. And I reviewed a movie called Fatal Frames, which is sort of an all-star uh, Jello, which um, has Donald Pleasance and David Warbeck and uh, Linnea Quigley and uh, I mean all these kind of famous names, and it's horrible in a really unique way. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to say, I'm kind, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with him on that one. I'm not a big fan of the, of the genre myself. I, you know, there's a couple like standouts that I like, but most of them I just fucking can't stand. For me, it's 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 like a mindset you kind of got to switch in order to. Yeah, really I, enjoy I guess them. so. Uh, I could see that. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, I don't really like slasher movies very much at all. Right, in fact, right. uh, and and the the way that people have to kind of adjust themselves to appreciate them, I think it's mm. a similar kind of thing. All right. I think that's it. We got we got to get going, Mo. It's Sunday. You got to get yeah, back I, to bed. <laughs> I got to get to church. <laughs> Oh, I also saw, get, my, get my ass to church. I also saw Kingsman: The Secret Service. Uh, and oh I, yeah, how was that? You know what? I my expectations were pretty low, but uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. It's violent. I mean, uh, if you went in expecting Kitty James Bond, you're going to be surprised because some really crazy shit happens in it. I awesome. I, I wrote on Twitter that it, in, considering it's based on a Mark Miller comic property, I enjoyed it about as much as I possibly could. <laughs> I guess that makes sense then. Uh, and let's also not forget that if uh, if there's any uh, vaping enthusiasts out there who want to watch me uh, mm-hmm. vape some really disgusting shit, they can pop over to uh, YouTube. I'm currently taking a, a short hiatus from the show so I can update the look of it. But uh, I'll be back soon enough. And there's you know a, a dozen or so uh, episodes uh, up there currently that that they can watch. More often than not, people just like to watch to to see how badly it, something makes me cough. Yes. I like to watch. Um, I like to watch you cough. <laughs> Everyone, stay tuned. Coming up next is the song "House of Forbidden Secrets" by Rue. Another great contribution. Stay tuned yes. to that and head over to our Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash no budget nightmares, all one word. And we will talk to you soon. Sweet. Love you. Good night. Love is like a slap in the face And the past and present can be in the very same place You need to balance all the words in your head Take the good with the bad and try to use it instead Sometimes it's easier if you can let go Not spend your little precious time looking over your shoulder When the worst thing that could happen is you can't get away And go deeper and deeper so it all just replays, oh Try to keep it together, but it all falls apart Like the words in your head are more like words of the heart You're speaking in tongues, but yet it all still makes sense You're trapped, there's no answer, now you're kept in suspense The pictures that you hold give you visions of brutality The house that you're in prides itself on hospitality The doors will not open, you can't get away Until there's nothing to do and there's nothing to say but... I like to keep the bad with the good So that my world will stay in balance I'm not misunderstood Everything you have in this life You cannot keep it How do you escape from a house Of forbidden secrets? the present.
present are the sins of the past It was wrong to think the voices of the house wouldn't last It's easy to run, but it's hard to break free History is always bound to repeat Sometimes it seems that love is like a slap in the face And the past and present can be in the very same place You need to balance all the words in your head Take the good with the bad and try to use it instead I like to keep the bad with the good So the world will stay balanced, I'm not misunderstood Everything you have in this life, you cannot keep it How do you escape from a house of forbidden secrets?